is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com as we roll into another week of fun and excitement. Go right to your phone calls. Start things out here tonight with Kurt in Michigan on the amp line. Hello, Kurt. Gentlemen, how are you tonight? Hey, what's on your mind? Well, I'd like to talk about the line of secession. The line of that, secession? Yeah, yeah. The uh, If the president cannot fulfill his duties, the vice president takes over. But I don't think that that translates to the fictitious office of the president-elect. You're talking about the line of succession, not secession. Succession. Succession, gotcha. yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Who's, yeah. So, you know, I think that if, you know, with this whole birth certificate thing, which doesn't really, it doesn't bother me one way or the other, um, but if, if they, if they, I've, I've heard you make the claim that if they say that Obama cannot be president, that it's just automatically Joe Biden. And I don't think that's the case. Really? Now, I, I believe the Electoral College would be able to vote for whomever they want. Uh, I, would be there, I, I would imagine there'd be an awfully lot of lobbying there to get votes, and they very well may cast a vote for Biden, but I don't think that they're would be required to do that. I think you're right. Um, I, after we got off the air the last time we talked about this, somebody proposed this to me, and I and it does make perfectly good sense. At the, um, at the moment, at this moment, uh, Barack they o- voted yet. Yeah, Barack Obama isn't even really the president elect. In the, I mean, you know, it's it's just a sort of it's. I guess it's just a title that the press lays on someone because he hasn't been elected by the electors. Um, the American people only vote to vote um, for the electors, and the electors have not voted for who is going to be the president. So if they voted for Obama, Biden, and then he was disqualified, wouldn't it then be Biden who got it? No. I No, because no? The, the, the line of succession only covers the president to the vice president. He's not the president, and if they determine he can't be, he never will be. But wait, wait. So I said if means- they vote for him. So if he is voted in by the electors as president... At in that point, then, if they then overturn his legitimacy after that, then wouldn't it go to Biden? Uh, I don't believe so. I believe they would be able to vote for whomever they want. I mean, but they would they have already have anyway. voted at that point. They would have voted, though. Right. Um, so I'm saying oh, if, if they've if already they voted. The electoral, if they cast the electoral, I still don't think, think that if after they voted, I still don't think he, he never would have been sworn in as president. I see what you're saying. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting point. Well, who would who would at that point? Now, now this doesn't it, it, this doesn't make much sense to me. If um, now we're assuming we're talking about the future here because I don't know when the electoral college meets. Um, sometime this month, it, right? It, yeah, it's sometime this month. I, I know it's in December, and I I know that the average American uh, you know doesn't pay attention to this kind of thing. It's sort of the shadow election where. Well, they, listen to us. We don't really know how. No, it we works. don't. I, I, the average American doesn't even know what the electoral college is. But yeah. uh, um, you know, and we barely know, obviously. So, uh, but um, it doesn't make much sense to me. If Biden has been elected in as the vice president, then isn't that valid in some way? I mean, d- I, does... He's just a running mate. The votes were going to Obama. He's just a running mate. He, nobody voted for, for Joe Biden. He just voted for Obama, who decided to choose Joe Biden. Um, well, but he was on the ballot. I mean, he was on the ballot that I voted for, and I'm going to only assume that he's on the ballot that the elect, um, electoral college votes for. I don't know, but... 
Well, this all seems much I, ado about nothing anyway. I mean, uh, the Supreme Court has at this point thrown out the case. Uh, they, they've, refu- they've refused to hear the case in regards to his birth certificate. So is this even an issue anymore? Well, I did not even hear that they'd refuse to hear the case. I don't listen to the news because it's a bunch of lies to me anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, what's really the issue here anyway? Even if they did hear the case and they did make the decision and they did throw Obama out, what's it going to matter? Uh, it'd be another big government freak who would take over. Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, well, and, and interestingly enough, the uh, the liberals apparently, uh, the people that consider themselves liberals, are not very happy with uh, Mr. Obama. We might have a chance to talk about what some of them are having to say here in a bit. Kurt, any other thoughts for us? Well, uh, just one more. Um this is the month that I'm going to be writing my AMP check, so I'm going to be writing a check for you guys. And I want to let you know that starting the first of the year. Oh. Uh oh, start for the starting the first of the year. Uh, is he still there, Kurt? He's gone. Well, starting the first of the year, you can vote for Free Talk Live at <laughs> vote.freetalklive.com, or you could become an amplifier. Maybe that's where he was going, because I know that Kurt in the past has encouraged others to become Free Talk Live amplifiers, as he has done. So, And as you heard, you don't have to do it via credit card or PayPal. You can do it via the old-fashioned check method if necessary. Now, um, uh, I know that the rule is one call a night uh, for um, uh, you know people, but it's sort of come up recently. What if your phone call gets cut off? Well, you know, well, clearly, if there's some sort of phone issue and we had intended to continue the conversation, then you're certainly welcome to call back. Okay. Uh, so we continue, and we'll talk to Carl in Massachusetts. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Carl. Hi, how's it going? Hey, what's on your mind? I um I had a quick question for both of you. Um, okay. About what do you how do you feel about if there were to be a um a reduction in government or just a complete free market? Um, would you advocate for a police force to be then put on a free market so that people could, you know, go and then um, essentially pay for a protection agency? Or well, I think you... I think that, yeah, I think people are going to want protection services. I mean, I, sure, we all understand that crime will be drastically lessened even in a small government situation without the war on drugs to contend oh. with. Uh, but still, there are crazies out there, and uh, there's going to, there are people that are going to want to make sure their their possessions and their loved ones are kept safe and insured from, uh, from damage. So certainly, uh, you would see some sort of free market protection agencies out there. Probably will be in the form of insurance companies with investigators that they would hire or bounty hunters uh, that they would bring in to uh, to round up the bad guys. And absolutely, I think that would be in demand. In fact, I don't think that we can get from here to there without having things like that rise up to replace the government. Uh, I don't think it's going to be something where, okay, government's over. Now let's have these other companies start up. There's probably going to be some sort of transitionary period. And I'm speculating here, of course. Uh, who knows how it's all going to play out, but probably be some sort of transitionary period where uh, protection agents are already starting up and becoming popular, and the government just sort of wastes away. That's what I would guess would happen. Now, um, you said in a lesser government uh, situation, and I don't, I do not advocate for uh, doing away with the police. I, I do advocate for doing away with the uh, the war on drugs, and I think that that would do, would. Uh go a long way to you know bringing the peace the police back into an uh you know the, a peace officer role and a role that's uh, respected by a, a, a much larger percentage of the population however okay, i still I think just... that uh you know when you're talking about protection services 
We currently have them. If I wanted to, I could hire some protection service to protect my house and my property. They, and I could hire them at whatever level I wanted to hire them. Um, you know, I could hire them to drive by once a day. I could hire them to drive up the driveway once a day. I could hire them to station people uh, at all four corners of my property. I could hire them to do whatever I want. So we have that today, and people can, you know, some people employ it, mostly famous people. So I, there's a second part to this question then. Yes, um, sure. If, if, so then say there were, you know, um, different agencies on the free market. Who's to say that, um, you know, you essentially have to listen to them, I guess. You know, if someone, your neighbor hired someone and they came after you for doing something, who's to say that you actually have to even follow what they have to, you know? Well, what are you doing allegedly they'd be coming after you for? Say, okay, well, say it's a, say it's a violent crime, for instance. Say you... You know, you come into the house and you burglarize them and it's an assault. Okay. And then the next day, their, their police force that they have hired to come and, you know, essentially take you to court, arrest you. Who is to say then you actually have to listen to them? Why do you have your police force and you can then, you know, it's almost, I, I, I feel like it's, well, first of all, if it's something like assault, you probably won't be arrested for that as, as you know, that's probably not something that you're doing over and over again if you just got into a fight with somebody. Uh, if you are somebody who's an upstanding member of the community, odds are good uh, that, that there will be no need for an arrest or bringing you and putting you in a jail cell because of that. You'll be invited to go to arbitration, most likely, with whoever the other person is. And if you at that point decide you don't want to go to arbitration, you have to really think about this because, I mean, thinking about making that decision, because if you don't want to go to arbitration, we're talking about a total free market situation Yeah, that would have here. to be free market. If uh, you're talking about uh, not going to arbitration, you're also talking about making yourself look really bad. I mean, you're talking about losing uh, possibly your, your job situation. You're talking about putting that at risk. You're talking about ostr- uh, having friends ostracize you. I want to dig into this a little deeper, so hang on. We'll bring you back. 800-259-9231. There will be market pressures to get you into arbitration. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com, and uh, some of those features include the archive, so if you missed a moment of the show, click and download right there from the front page of the website going back for an entire year, totally free, at freetalklive.com. Also, I want to invite you to the Free State Project. It is, in my opinion, your best chance at liberty in your lifetime. So go and get more information about a movement that is designed to concentrate liberty activism all in the same place. I believe that has been the missing key to the liberty movement. It's one of the reasons why, well, the movement has been so slow at growing over the last uh, several decades. There just hasn't been enough of us in the same place. And the Free State Project aims to fix that problem by gathering as many liberty-loving activists all together in the state of New Hampshire as possible or the geographic area of New Hampshire. And so if you want to learn more about that, if that sounds interesting to you, go to freestateproject.org and learn more about the program because, uh, Mark, you and I are both participants. We moved here in 2006, and I have to say it was one of the best things I've ever done with my life. I love living up here in New Hampshire, and the people that we're surrounded by, are they make it all the better. I mean, New Hampshire on its own, very beautiful place, but it's the people 
these activists, these liberty-loving activists, both in the political realm and the market-based activism realm, they're the best of the best. And you can experience what it's like to be around these folks by coming up for a visit, specifically during the Liberty Forum, which you can learn more about at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. We continue with your phone calls. And we go back to Carl in Massachusetts. Now, Carl, you're asking a question about the proposed free market uh, concept, the idea of eliminating all coercive government and having a total free marketplace where protection services, which heretofore have been supposedly provided by government, though they don't really do that great of a job at, at actually protecting you. They're pretty effective at protecting the state, the state and its interests, but not actually citizens. Uh, but nonetheless, the idea would be that protection services would be available in the marketplace. And your question was, well, what sort of motivation would I have for wanting to go along with what these market-based protection agencies might want yeah, me to correct. do in a in a uh, conflicting situation? Say you get into a fight with a with a friend or something like that, and then they come to you and they say, well, we think you did this, and we need you to come to we'd like you to come to arbitration on you know with this court or or at this time, whatever, and you would be able to uh, – you're asking, well, why would I want to go and do that? What's, what's in it for me? And I think right, yeah. the basic answer is that in a free market society, and as in any society, reputation is, is very important. Uh, you want people to know that you're an honorable person, or at least I would hope that's what you want people to know about you. And that's what I want people to think about me. I want people to know that when they're doing business with me, that they're going to be doing business with somebody who's up front, with somebody who's upstanding, with somebody who is honorable in his or her business dealings. Uh, when somebody is a friend of mine, I want them to, uh, to know that I'm going to be reliable. When I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it, that sort of thing. And so having a good reputation is very important to me. And it's important to, I think, most people in the, the realm of sanity. So okay. be, because now, you want to protect um, your reputation, of... you'll have an interest in going to, uh, to arbitration. And you can actually pick, if you don't like the arbitrator they've chosen, you can pick your own arbitrator, and then the two arbitrators can pick a third arbitrator to have them arbitrate between the two of them. So it's not like you're forced to choose to use the arbitrator that the accusing party is using. You can pick an arbitrator that you trust if you don't trust their arbitrator, and again, those two can go and go to a third arbitrator. Of course, that increases the probably will triple the cost, and the loser will have to pay. So there is some financial incentive for you to just go along with whoever it is. And of course, arbitrators in a free market society will be competing with one another so odds are good they'll all be better than the government court system because arbitrators are competing for uh, you know speed of service and, and cost and reliability and, and various other factors so you wanted to continue now um i just had a um, other question i wanted to see now i know mark um doesn't really have this point of view um i would just want to see if i could get his his take on what he believes would work in like a uh, in a smaller government sense, because as we know now, you know the police have a little too much. They seem to abuse the power a little too much. So, what are what would be the means of keeping them in check in a smaller government? Well, as far as keeping the police in check, I think the first thing to, uh, that we would do by backing, you know, getting rid of the drug war and allowing uh, men and women to do whatever they want to do as long as they don't hurt each other. Uh, you would you would see a uh, huge downscaling in the in the size of the police and therefore the power of the police simply be you know an organization with fewer people is going to have 
less power. And that's all there is to it. And I think that most people really do want, if not the police, some organization there in order to stop, you know, uh, the people that they consider bad and violent and dangerous and all that stuff. Unfortunately, what we currently have is a organization that, um, you know, in some cases is bad and violent itself in order to get done what it wants to get done. And I also, and from a criminal justice standpoint, I would do away with uh, plea bargaining. Plea bargaining, as far as I'm concerned, is unconstitutional. It's antithetical to justice, the ideas of justice. It mm. uh, it does not serve the victim. It does not serve the criminal. It does not serve society as a whole. The only thing it serves is the a, state. Well, the state in growing this uh, big industrial uh, complex uh, wrapped around uh, the prison industry. The prison industry, yeah. yeah. All right, yeah, that's it. I uh, I just been um, trying to toss around a few ideas. Thanks, Carl. And check out the Market for Liberty when you get a chance over at book.freetalklive.com. It's a great explanation. It does a far better job than I at explaining the uh, the free market proposals for uh, justice and police and, and those tricky issues. Like I think that, that uh, the proposals are very interesting, but it really does require a book to uh, explain those proposals. Notice how I proposed uh, two very easy, very uh, you know huge changes that could be explained inside of two minutes. 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL-CAI toll-free line. So, again, the, uh, the in the free markets situation, you would have market-based pressures that you would res- want to respond to in order to protect your uh, reputation. You would want to go to arbitration. And if you were a violent individual who was continually committing violence, uh, I believe that there would be uh, – certainly people could take action against you. You could be labeled uh, essentially as a – you could be labeled as a, as a threat essentially, and uh, you know, the insurance companies could hire a bounty hunter to come after you and take you off the streets. And they would be putting their reputation at risk because if they were wrong about you, then they would take a huge loss of reputation and they would have a tough time recovering from that. Unlike the government, when it accuses people wrongfully – of crimes they did not commit. All it usually does is shrugs its shoulders if it gets caught at it, as it has done with a number of people, whether they've been on death row or not. But uh, people that have been on death row, they've let out, what was it, over 200 in the last 30 or 40 years. Uh, They usually just shrug their shoulders and say, whoopsie. And maybe they give a cash payment to some of these guys. I don't think they all get that. They just usually say, okay, you're out of here. Sorry. Most of them really could. Oh, they'll, they'll, they'll live with that. Yeah. Oops. Sorry. So nothing happens to the government's reputation. People will see those stories and be outraged by them. People will see them and say, darn those governments. But what, the, what can they really do? They can't withdraw their money because then the government got, goons will go after them, steal their house, throw them out of their own house, uh, take them away from their family. Uh, so there is no reputation loss for the government when it screws up. But in the free marketplace, those agencies, if they make mistakes, ooh, they'd be in trouble. More coming up. You take control. Free Talk Live. Attention, freedom activists. If you're planning your move to New Hampshire, you know that Manchester is the heart of the free state. But finding an apartment when you're out of state can be a major pain in the... You need Prickle. Prickle has apartment rentals designed to meet your needs. There's no minimum length of stay. They accept payment in silver or gold. And responsible firearms owners are welcome. To find your new home in the heart of Manchester's growing Liberty Enclave, log on right now to Prickle.com. That's P-R-I-C-L dot com.
is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. So enjoy those on us, and those features include the wiki, over 1,800 pages created by listeners like you. Just go to wiki.freetalklive.com and see what that's all about. You can edit virtually anything that you see there. It's like the listener editable version of our website, wiki.freetalklive.com. You know email's not secure, but hey, privacy's dead anyway, right? Wrong. Introducing privacyharbor.com, an easy-to-use, secure email alternative. Sign up for a free account today, privacyharbor.com, because normal email is not secure. And I was just reading uh, Popular Mechanics today, and they were telling you the only way to have secure email is by getting an encoding program. Well, it's not true, because hmm. I wouldn't know how to use an encoding program on my um, email or anything like that, I, and I don't want to learn, and I don't want to go through the trouble of downloading, and I don't want to try to figure anything out. Sounds time-consuming. Yeah, it sounds like I have to dedicate a day to figuring this out, and I don't want to. PrivacyHarbor.com is so easy, I can use it. That's PrivacyHarbor.com. All right, we continue with Paul in Texas. Your phone calls, what the show's about. Paul, you're on Free Talk Live. Paul, hey. you're on the air. What's on your mind? Nothing but uh, I was listening to y'all's podcast from Saturday. Yes. Y'all had this whole rant going on the suicide, and uh, this one guy emailed y'all how he said it was wrong and everything. I just want to comment to him that uh, he's a little crazy because if people want to kill themselves, they have full right to do that. I believe they absolutely should be able to uh, take their own lives, especially in a case where you're talking about somebody with terminal illness. I think you're talking um, – one thing that needs to be to, to be pointed out in this circumstance is that suicide hurts people. It hurts the families of uh, – you know, when, when somebody commits suicide who's not in terrible health, it, it hurts the families, and they're, they're, it, it has a lot of collateral damage to it, and I don't want to minimize that. However, when you're talking in the in the arena of rights and human rights, I think that uh, the pers- that that people have the right to do that. I think, however, they are not in the right to do it. I get that, and I know it hurts the families. And all. my uh, cousin just committed suicide about two months ago. Oh man! Yeah, I can only imagine what that's like for your head, uncle so. and aunt. <laughs> yeah, they keep crying all the time, but. Uh, even still, these uh, who was it? Those three states that uh, have it legalized now. Yeah, it's legal. For the, uh, yeah, for terminally ill or for uh, for people that are seeking doctor-assisted suicide. So people that are uh, terminally ill with uh, major uh, pain in their uh, bodies, those kinds of people can now get suicide uh, from a doctor. Because I don't think a doctor is going to give you suicide because you know you broke up with your girlfriend or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, that's how he was. He was ill in the head, and he was always trying to commit suicide. And every time we tried to stop him, and just so your cousin, so your cousin had attempted to to kill herself before he he himself. I'm sorry, herself on numerous occasions. This is about the fifth time that she tried, and wow. Finally, she was able to do it. She actually overdosed on one pill or something. I don't know what exactly it was. Hmm. It's sad. Now, uh, did uh, anybody ever call the the cops on her for the first few attempts? Did they intervene in any way, or was it all very private and and kept under the the radar? Oh, no. The cops were called. An actual neighbor called like three times because she could hear her screaming and... Every time she tried, it just got worse until finally we just couldn't help her anymore. It's just 
What? How was she trying? I'm sorry, I don't want to be too morbid here, but how was she attempting to kill herself that would involve uh, her screaming? Well, all I know is, from what I know, at times she'd have a gun pointed to her head and she'd be screaming at herself. I see. So screaming just out of hatred for mm-hmm. her life or whatever it was, whatever crazy thoughts were going through her mind. So did they charge yeah. her with uh, suicide or attempted suicide? Did they try to put her in a, a crazy house? What was the police and the state government people's response to this? They actually tried once to put her in it, but it just never filed through. And we were actually still attending this because they wanted to put her in the house, but by the time they got to her, it was too late. Mm. So uh, how long did this uh, – you say she tried to kill herself five times. What sort of time period are we talking about? Are we talking about a period of two weeks? Are we talking about two years? How long was this going on? Uh, I'd probably say about three to four months. So three to four months, several uh, suicide attempts. So she was never charged with attempted suicide? The, the state never went after her with its apparatus? Not that I know of. Okay. Very interesting. Any other thoughts for us? Uh, actually, I have one about Charles' uh, whole deal on the legalization of uh, marijuana and all these other drugs to not be put in jail for any of them. Mm-hmm. I completely support that. Well, anybody with a with sense in their head should support that. And I thank you for the call tonight, Paul. Good hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Anybody who has thought about prohibition for a little bit of time should be able to come to the conclusion that it was a it's a dismal failure every single time it's tried it creates the uh in t- consequences that were unintended that are usually the opposite of what they actually intended sure you can agree or disagree that drugs are uh, good or whatever I mean, sure. I've, I've heard i've heard people agree and disagree on that subject that's not the subject i'm talking about mm. um I, I i'm certainly not going to get on here and talk about the wonders of crack however <laughs> uh I, I would say that uh you know addictive drugs like crack and heroin and things like that create criminals that are willing that are desperate and willing to do anything i you know you i've watched the the Dave Chappelle show recently, and you look at yeah. t- Tyrone, oh, Tyrone, Tyrone Biggums, <laughs> and you're looking at a guy who's at a state of desperation. He's obviously it's character, um, in a based state on some level of reality, I, some level. I mean, certainly more than I know about crack addicts. Uh, They're it, probably not as funny, but right as it, desperate. Yeah, in a state of desperation that uh, you know he's liable to do anything, and and they could do it to you and your family, and it's all because the the price of cocaine has been artificially inflated due to the war on drugs. So right. So anybody that can take a an objective look at the issue of the war on drugs should come to the conclusion it's an absolutely abysmal idea that has only resulted in more people having tougher time in their lives. Uh, the, the people that are busted for drugs are just they're just put into a worse position because they're impoverished by the fines. Their families are torn apart by the jail time. Their lives are, are destroyed ever more than they might have already have been because of the drugs because they have to go and spend time in in prison. Uh, the, of course, as you're pointing out, Mark, people that don't even encounter drugs in their lives, people that aren't even anywhere near the drug culture are put at risk. Their families are put at risk because they could have somebody robbing their uh, their home. They could have someone breaking and entering into their car, stealing things. Uh, there, there could be violence that could be brought upon them if they don't turn over their uh, their valuables to the seething crack, uh, crack addict who's trying to steal them from them. So there's so many different consequences and so much damage that's done uh, because of the, con- the unintended consequences of the war on drugs that you have to come to that conclusion. The only way you 
the only way you could come to the conclusion the war on drugs is a good thing is if you are a drug dealer and you're profiting from the uh, you're getting getting the insane black market profits of 200 300 actually excuse me it depends on your level in the chain you can make profits up to uh, thousands of percents in the in the black market and so you are probably for the war on drugs because you are a drug dealer, especially the upper echelon drug dealers. They're the ones that really make it. Uh, you also probably be for the war on drugs if you're a cop who actually doesn't really care about his constituents, about his you know citizens. If you don't really care about those people and you only care about the budget for the police department – then, yeah, you support the war on drugs because without the war on drugs, your police department's budget's going to go down. You're not going to get all that sweet uh, drug, uh, drug money, uh, enforcement money from the federal government, and you're, you're going to have to focus on, on real criminals, too, which is actually harder police work because you have to go after murderers and rapists and people that are actually a, a real challenge to catch instead of popping the hippies driving down the street and the, the car, uh, cars full of kids and uh, shaking them down for a bag of marijuana. That's not hard work at well, all. Another thing that the drug war does for the police that uh, is, is sort of artificial is it gives them more busts. It shows them mm-hmm. in action more often. Um, if, if We're the, stopping crime. Right. If, if the police... It, it's difficult. It is difficult to solve murders. It's difficult to solve bur- burglaries. It's difficult to solve arsons because you don't have a lot of evidence there. It's not difficult to bust somebody with drugs in their pocket, especially if you do some kind of illegal search. Hell no. I could go raid any old restaurant in town and probably arrest 90% of the staff right now. So when the police are no longer allowed to bust people for drugs, then you have them, well, unfortunately, failing to solve crimes, and that's going to bring heat down on them to some extent. Toll free number here, 800-259-9231. Bring up what you want. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up what you want. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And if you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do so by uh, voting for the show. Mark, are we uh, are we above uh, yes. by 50 votes now at this point? That's correct. All right, that's good. Uh, but you should still vote for us even if you haven't if you haven't done it in the month of December, you only need to do it once. In fact, you can only do it once by going to vote.freetalklive.com and since we are over the 50 vote window that we've set for ourselves, our safety buffer, uh, we won't ask you to do it again unless we drop below that safety buffer. But so we still need you to do it if you haven't done it, just to make sure we have a nice large buffer at vote.freetalklive.com. Because the more votes we have, uh, the longer we stay at the first place position at Podcast Alley, which means new people will come to the show, new people will discover the message of freedom. That's a good thing. So go to vote.freetalklive.com. Speaking of freedom, uh, we're going to talk, hopefully, if we get a chance. Of course, the calls are a primary element here. But uh, if we do exhaust calls at some point, we'll get to Barack Obama's 21st century New Deal. And I can tell you it doesn't involve freedom very much. Uh, We'll get to that. But first, we go to your phone calls and talk to Tom in New Hampshire. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to bring up a point here uh, about uh, firearm safety and what this means to those people who are uh, you know, involved in the debate on gun control, which really means using both hands, that uh, when somebody commits suicide with a firearm, 
it's very common for the children to be told that this was an accident. Mm-hmm. Okay, what happened? Oh, um, he was cleaning the gun and it backfired. Uh, which doesn't make any sense. Well, no, it doesn't make sense because anybody who knows how to clean a weapon uh, knows better than to clean a loaded gun. Although there could be accidents that could happen. Maybe he was drunk. Certainly. Maybe he yeah, was but drunk. But then, there, then those people, the children who are being, you know, protected a little bit from the shock of what really happened, mm-hmm. grow up thinking that guns are dangerous by themselves. That's a good and point. That, that, and so, you know, it's very important for the, for people who are voting now, who are old enough to, hand, to handle the real truth of some of these situations, is that, hey, maybe it was a suicide that happened when you were a kid, and the people next door or the people down the street or whoever it was. And so don't think that guns are a dangerous thing by themselves. You know, guns can uh, uh, be a very useful thing, for example, sure. uh, Recently, down in Houston, uh, somebody used one to take out a cop. Uh, I believe it was just today. So, uh, you know, now the, the, wait a minute. What was the situation there? Well, the cop pulled the guy over for driving while black, and the guy <laughs> got out of the SUV and bolted and went around the building. And the cop went around the building, and uh, you know, the guy was oh, actually, it was December seventh. That was yesterday, and uh, that was all for that cop. So, uh, you know. Uh, well, well, now, for, now, don't make. I mean, it, it always sounds like you're advocating people. In fact, I think it did sound like you advocated people kill cops, no. uh, Tom. And I don't think that that's the right solution at all. In fact, I've found that at least here in New Hampshire, uh, many of the police officers up here are very amicable towards our point of view. That is the pro-liberty point of view, which I believe you tend to hold. It's just that you just kind of like to agitate violence. Happened. Okay, well, thanks for the mention. Thanks, Tom. Bye-bye. 800-259-9231. Man, I want to make sure that uh, we do not endorse uh, the callers of this show necessarily and what they have to say. Uh, so, no, uh, violence, not the solution. The cops are definitely part of the problem. There's no doubt about that. If it weren't for the cops being willing to follow bad orders, like we were talking about the war on drugs, I mean, if the cops had been given the uh, these instructions, these orders about the war on drugs, saying, okay, now, officers, we want you to go around and, and arrest friends and people's friends and family members for not harming anybody else. I mean, if they, for, for having a, pl- a piece of plant or uh, some a chemical in their pocket, if the cops had just looked back at the, their superiors and said, what? You want us to, to do what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. We've got real crimes to solve here. We've got murders and rapes. Uh, we're not going to be wasting our time with now, this nonsense. Now you're armed. Yes. Now you're armchair quarterbacking, though. Um, I'm be, saying if they hadn't if, done, if, if they had, if they had, what, what that, we need yeah. to talk about is what they can do, not what they could have done. And what they can still refuse the most to follow them, those orders. Most of them were hired in big pushes. Uh, you know, the, the positions were open in which mm-hmm. they fill for big pushes for the drug war. One happened in the uh, late uh, late 60s, early 70s under the Nixon administration, and one happened under the administration. One happened to the... Uh, but they weren't uh, the hired on to be drug officers. They were yes, hired they on were. to be cops. They were hired on to be cops, but they were hired on in a push during a drug war, essentially. So I okay. mean, that's, that's what they were... They were probably interviewed, during their interview, told, look, this is... 
this is what uh, your 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 job's going to be entailing and part of that's going to be drug enforcement mm-hmm. you know that's uh, you, when you're hiring new people on people getting hired on to a position are much more flexible um, i see where you're coming from than than somebody who's in place and established for instance if you're going into a job and you need to take a vacation uh, 3 months into the job you have a cruise planned or something like that yeah. it's really best to tell the uh, uh, you know tell the 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 boss sometime like you know about the time they say you're hired but before you come for your first day of work. <laughs> if you tell them three weeks into it, oh, by the way, I need to take a vacation, or three months, you wait till two weeks before the the cruise mm-hmm. to tell them, you're going to have a much harder time at it. So it's that in, in that establishing the relationship point, people are much more flexible. And I would say that you've got some you had some young impressionable guys, um, and so we can't talk about what they should have done. Well, we they can to- still stop for enforcing bad laws any old time they want to. They can refuse to follow bad orders and, and likely get fired at some point. And I'm not saying that that's that's what they're that's what they're afraid of, Mark. And I don't know if it's true. I really don't know if that's true. I think that they are unlikely to be fired, but likely instead to have political consequences within the department. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they don't get a chance at overtime or they're forced Promotions. to do the overnight shift, never will be promoted, things like that. These I are don't important know to people in uh, the arena that. of their work. Well, I understand I want to be that. Promoted at What's my work. important to me is not harming others, okay? And mm-hmm. I hope that some of these cops can come to those conclusions. And that's where I wanted to go with this. Instead of Tom's solution, which seems to be uh, initiating for uh, upon the uh, these unwitting police officers, I think that an outreach program would be much more effective. I think that the guys over at Law Enforcement Against Prohibition are doing wonderful work. Uh, these are f- mostly former law enforcement officers who have come to the conclusion that they they done wrong. They hurt people. And they've now repented for what they've done, and they are repenting by going out there and spreading the word about ending this insane war on drugs and doing it from that respectable position of having been a former law enforcement officer. And they're not only reaching out to uh, community groups like the Lions Club and and people like that and churches, they're also reaching out to law enforcement officers. They'll go to law enforcement officer conventions, and they'll have a table, and they'll do what they can to get these ideas into their, uh, you know, into to the, these young, impressionable minds that you're talking right. about. I agree with you on that point, and I, I think the first step would be uh, in, in that would be to join LEAP. The second step would be to join LEAP um, in a non-anonymous role. The uh, third step would be to... You're talking about for a law enforcement officer. For, for law enforcement officers would be to then say, look, I'm just not going to enforce anything that I consider to be uh, antithetical to freedom of the Constitution. I'm, I'm willing that would to, be a nice step. Put, put me on the, the murder squad, put me on the arson squad, put me on whatever, but I'm not going to arrest people for possessing things. So I think taking a... But con- these are, you know, these are steps that people have to take. Yes, and I think taking uh, taking communicative steps with the police is much more positive than uh, than opposing them or opposing them violently. And I would never uh, suggest violent solutions to problems because I believe that they're, they're not really solutions. I think that violence only begets more violence. It's exactly what the state is trained and ready for. Uh, they are prepared to crack down and crack heads if that moment, uh, if that opportunity provides itself. So we should not be providing that for them. Let's continue with Frank in New York. Frank, you're on Free Talk Live. Good evening. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, what's on your mind? Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I heard the caller earlier talk about the uh, Barack Obama situation. I guess the case won't be reviewed by the Supreme Court on his eligibility. That's what I saw. But today, what's yeah. interesting, uh, right now under the law, it's the electors of the Electoral College that will have to determine his eligibility, because if they allow a usurper to come in that is an ineligible constitutionally, being not natural born. 
then ultimately, if they don't, uh, you know, provide the answers, they legally can't, you know, cast the vote. But here's the interesting thing. If they don't provide what answers? Well, it's up to them to determine his eligibility. I doubt they're going to do that. They're probably just going to vote. Eligibility, and they vote him in. And it's found out later that he's ineligible Mm -hmm. and that, you know, his acts that he's uh, initiated are null and void. Then they're actually conspirators in this. But what I find really interesting about But does that mean they'll be brought up on charges? Not likely. Well, they could be, yes. They could be because they become accessories to the crime through their malfeasance of not... Would that mean that, uh, it, that, sure would, that he's eligible? It's ultimately that, their responsibility. But if it goes to the electoral college, twenty and they seconds decide Frank. that he's not eligible, they can vote for whomever they choose to. So they could vote for Ron Paul. They could vote for whomever they wanted to. They could vote, you know, uh, and there'd be no constitutional challenge. Because if if Barack Obama signs a, signs a bunch of, all they have to do is take a vote. They have to report it and record it, and then they have to present it to the President of the Senate. Thanks for the clarification, Frank. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Hour 2's coming up. OTN Sam will join us. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. We're launching at hour number two of the program. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We go uh, to Sam from the Obscured Truth Network. Sam in Texas, at least for the next few weeks. Uh, Sam, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, good good evening, gentlemen. Hey there. Hey, man. All right, I was in court today, and I thought I'd call and give you guys an update. Now, this is the last of the three tickets that we've been talking about for what I realize is the last year. Well, I would uh, I would have to say that before you even go on, that whatever has happened today is good news, because you're calling. <laughs> Just because it's over and done with. (laughs) That part, and and, and you're not in jail. So as our listeners who've been tuning in for a while know, you've been going into these uh, courtrooms and asking lots of questions that they don't want you to ask and have been having uh, some level of success at at being able to at least ask the questions. I was not able to to ask any of the questions. (laughs) Note the level of skill here where he (laughs) asks the questions and doesn't go to jail, and you ask the questions and do. So uh, I'll, I'll work with them, Mark. I'll that, get him up to speed. That's good. Uh, so so here you are for all of our newer listeners. What is it that you've been doing, and what are you going to tell us tonight? Oh, okay. So uh, it, it's kind of shifted. Um, I've taken my focus away from the um, actual case and, and trying to fight the case into more of watching the bureaucrats and how they're interacting and what kind of steps they're taking to combat me and so forth, and also seeing where they break the law. And then when they break the law... Now I'm going after them with criminal complaints, just like they would file against me if they witnessed me break the law okay. and putting them through the exact same process. Gotcha. So today in court, uh, we went in for uh, I went in for their their trial, and at eight in the morning I woke up seven forty five and thought, oh no, I better get going. <laughs> I uh, I threw on my copbusters.com shirt <laughs> <laughs> from the uh, raid earlier this week where we turned the tables, and uh, did a sting on some police who were busting a grow house that was growing pine trees. And um, 
you know, when they had me go to the meeting in the judge's chambers. And this is to meet with the prosecutor. Now, when, when they do this to Randy Kelton, he files criminal charges against them. So I'm going to find out what those are and do the same thing uh, for both of my cases now that I can go back and attack them on some of these things. So you were going to file criminal charges because they wanted you to meet with them in a, 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 a they um, separate room? They wanted me to meet with the persecutor. I'm not exactly sure what claim he's making. I need to understand that. And once I do, I'll follow in his footsteps kind okay. of thing. So we sit down in this meeting, and, and before I continue there, I need to kind of back up a little bit and tell you this goes back to the tree, the, the tree enforcer incident on, that I called in on the 19th of November to talk about where the guy came out, uh, the, the code enforcer was out. I started filming him. He called the police. Police came to the door, was told, were told to leave. They didn't leave, um, and, and he became a criminal trespasser when he continued asking questions after he agreed to leave. Mm-hmm. So I went out, I, I wrote up three criminal complaints. Well, I wrote up a criminal complaint against him, but last week I called in to get this officer's name because I didn't have it. And I got this sergeant on the phone, and he wanted to know why I wanted this information, if there was a problem with the officer. I've got all this recorded. Right. A lot of police departments, as the Police Complaint Center has found, is they are very... Very uninterested in taking complaints from anybody, and will do whatever it takes to uh, to avoid it. Many many departments don't even have a complaint form for people. Well, and in this case, he's really wanting me to file a complaint with his department because he knows that I know the criminal complaint process, and the, when you do a complaint with the police department, it's a voluntary statement. So it doesn't have the same effect of law as what I'm wanting to do uh, once I get this officer's name. So there's Enough a difference really between need. there's a difference between what they call an administrative complaint versus what you're doing, which is a criminal complaint. The criminal complaint is what they would do to you or I should we break the law in their presence. Gotcha. Okay. So he he uh, asked me why I needed the name. That's illegal. He broke the law, became a criminal. Um, so he told he later called back on my voicemail and told me I should file an open records request. So I went down that day, and I had them already prepared. I filed one with the court asking for a set of about two weeks of all of their case files. I want to examine the originals, and if there's problems, missing documents, those documents not being in the uh, possession of the clerk of court, that's a felony for whoever's got them. So if I find missing documents, then I'm going to go after the people who have them, which is likely the prosecutor because they tend to do this thing despite what the uh, Code of Criminal Procedure in Texas tells them. Then I also filed one with the police department. Since they wouldn't tell me this officer's name, I asked for every record they keep, all of their manuals, the names of all of their department <laughs> heads, uh, a whole list of different things. Just it's going to be a real butt-kicking for them to put this together. And their uh, senior legal counsel wrote me back today, or actually last week, asking uh, to clarify on the request if I'm asking for every record they keep to be assembled for me to review or just <laughs> the description of all the records that they keep. And we'll get to his letter here in a minute. Okay. Okay, so all that went on. Uh, now I'm back in the judge's office. Well, I had gone and written That's, up three This criminal... is this morning we're talking about? Yes. Okay. The night before, last night, I had gone and met a notary public and gotten these three criminal complaints notarized. So now they're official, they're ready to go. Uh, These are serious government documents at this point. And when I sat down with the judge and the prosecutor, he asked if I had anything, and I said, yeah, actually I do. And I threw those three criminal complaints across his desk. And he looked at them, and he's (laughs) he's like, he realized what they were, 
and he tried to give them back to me like, mm. you know, immediately, here you go. I, I can't take these. You need to file these with the, the clerks downstairs. And I said, no, they take civil petitions. These are criminal complaints. And when the instant I gave them to you, you became a magistrate, and that is a duty from which you may not shield yourself from, sir. Nice. And uh, wow. He he, uh, he said, "Well, no, you need to you need to give these to the, uh, the the prosecutor, the district attorney, something like that." So I took them out of his hand and dropped them in the prosecutor's lap. <laughs> and I said, "These are these are complaints about public officials." Miller versus the state says that public a complaint about a public official shall be reduced to an information and submitted to the grand jury. And he wasn't about to do that either, so I put him back on the judge's desk. But now I've got them both refusing these criminal complaints. Mm-hmm. So I can go file criminal complaints against them, include right. them into the uh, mix, and move forward. Well, Now, if they won't take them, how are you going to file complaints against them? Who are you going to go well, to for that? So the, the thing to do is to really kind of go around to the different groups and get everybody to deny you access to uh, or den- deny these uh, complaints and not accept them or throw them away or whatever. To show that you've attempted to go to everyone you possibly could and they're Through all the shutting you channels. out. Exactly. And then at some point, uh, I'm going to find out when the grand jury meets and go directly to the uh, bailiff outside and tell him I have business with the foreman of the grand jury. Hmm. Please bring him out here now. Very And that's when I'll actually get to go in. And now because theoretically, I mean, what, what if the foreman of the grand jury just says, I, I don't because he's just a citizen, right? I don't yes. know what to do here. And the judge said to do this. And I like oh, What if he acts confused? On, Mark, and, the, the judge doesn't have any say over what the grand jury does. Yeah. But but do you understand how citizens can be rigid when they think that uh, they, they they might be uh, caught up in something illegal or untoward or anti-American or anti-unpatriotic uh, or something like that? Sure, but also these people are uh, not impaneled for a single case. Or Mark, these the, the grand juries here, I think, are for six months. Okay. So they're meeting maybe two or three times a week for six months straight. Uh, they, they've seen a lot of this, and when I walk in there as a citizen, they're going to know that it took a lot for me to get to that point. Hopefully. Hold on. They've seen a lot of this, meaning that they've seen a lot of citizens coming? Because I don't think they've no, seen any. No, 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 no. <laughs> they've seen the prosecutor in there presenting these cases, doing this, and I, my complaints are in the exact same form that he might use. So okay. When I go in to tell this story and talk about all of these public officials that are getting in my way, keeping me from filing these complaints, Hiding, shielding this officer from prosecution by refusing to tell me his name, on and on and on. They're going to sit up and listen. And, it, you know, they may not indict anybody, but just the fact that I got in front of the grand jury is really going to scare them. Do you think you can pull all this off within the next three weeks? Because aren't you expected to be in New Hampshire by the end of the month? Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. All right, hang on. I don't know what that means. We're going to come back with more Sam here in a moment. Sam from the Obscured Truth Network. Is he going to extend his stay in Texas just to go after the government goons? Or is he not knowing he'll be able to stay in Texas? More on the way. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. Come back with more Sam in a moment. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got updates. You get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com and get on board for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. 
Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. All right, as we continue with Sam from the Obscured Truth Network, you can visit his website at obscuredtruth.com, and you'll see a lot of the uh, video footage that he's put together from many of his courtroom visits over the last few months. And in fact, Sam, you've got a brand new video that you just put up within the last, oh, I don't know, 48 hours or so, uh, with a, a very recent encounter with you and one of the Plano, Texas police, which I found pretty interesting and, and instructional and entertaining. Yeah, yeah, and I think people should go and take a look at that at ObscuredTruth.com. Uh, but we're continuing your story about what happened to you today at uh, at court, uh, the government's court. They were demanding that you be there over a speeding ticket issue, I believe, and you had gone into a meeting with the judge and the prosecutor. They asked if you had anything for them. You did. You uh, brought out some criminal complaints, and neither the judge or the pros- nor the prosecutor uh, would take them, which apparently is it's their duty to take them. One would think. And they did not. Uh, And so you're talking about how you're going to exhaust every possible option that you have uh, as far as taking these complaints to whichever uh, bureaucrats you uh, are supposed to take them to, have them essentially uh, reject you at every turn and then go to the grand jury. And that's, I think, where we left off the conversation. Yeah, and in the process, I'm also setting up each of the people that I go and talk to and present the complaints to I'm going to add them into the mix and to the stack of criminal complaints so that they become a part of the uh, conspiracy that I'm alleging. Got it. Um, so I, I put those to the judge. He said he wasn't going to take them. I said, is that your final answer? He said yes, and I just smiled at him. And then I got up to leave, and he was wanting me to take them off his desk, but those were copies anyway because I knew they weren't going to take them. So I left them there so that he would look at them before we go into trial. And, Don't uh, worry, Judge. He, You'll be wanting copies of those before this is all through. <laughs> See, that's the thing, Mark. They weren't about him at all. These were about the uh, tree enforcer incident and the people covering up for that guy. Sure, but when he gets included in on this nonsense because he, he uh, just as you said, oh, yeah, covered up yeah. for these people, he'll want to know something more about it. Exactly. So we go out into court. Uh, the cop's there this time. There's one juror in his 30s. The prosecutor strikes him. So I have this old 40, mostly 50s and 60s um, jury mm-hmm. that just is half of them have their arms folded. They don't <laughs> like the cop buster shirt that I'm wearing. And it, it's pointless. Uh, so, but during the, the jury questioning, I ask, show, raise your hand if any of you have read the Texas Constitution or the Bill of Rights. Not a single hand. No, of course not. And then I said, okay, well, let me pose this to you. If I told you that all you had to do was stand for a Republican, Republican form of government and that within that you could alter, reform, or abolish the government in whatever manner you thought best. How many of you would believe me? Raise your hand. Not a single hand goes up. Hmm. So then I, I t- tell them I'm going to read them Article 2, which says you can do exactly that. Right. And the judge jumps in and stops me because basically it's a, it's a sidestep to present the idea of jury nullification to them. 
I see. And, uh, but, you know, it's so interesting that these uh, these lower courts say you can't bring constitutional issues in right. our court. You can only bring that on appeal. That's what I was told. And, and, but it's not true. They can well, it rule. is, because they're going to throw you in a right. jail cell. Well, they, they can rule on constitutional issues if they so choose, and, and the jury can rule on constitutional issues. They just don't want to have to deal with that, so they're pushing it up the ladder. Mm-hmm. Look, we just run people through the mill here. Yeah. We're part of the machine that, uh, the, you know, that, that imprisons and collects money for the state. We don't have anything to do with that constitutional bullcrap here. So the yeah. judge stepped in? So Yeah, so he steps in. He's not about to let me read that to him. So then I turn to the judge and I tell him uh, I want the court to take judicial notice of Article 2 of the Texas Constitution, and I start reading it to him. <laughs> and he says, I'll take uh, judicial notice of the entire Constitution, all the statutes, da-da-da-da-da. You know, he just gives off this list so that I cannot read a single law. And mm-hmm. I said, oh, okay, we're not going to have the court. We're not going to have the law in this court today. <laughs> and he didn't respond to that. So did um, now, just out of curiosity, I mean, what do you say to the jurors at this point? The judge here in a Texas courtroom just refused to let me read the Texas Constitution to you. What does Mark, this tell you about the court? I did that at least five times with clear-cut examples like that where he was out of line where, you know, he's not letting me present even the most basic things about my case. I talked about the the uh, motion in Lemony where they're restricting me from talking about 15 different subjects, including the gun in the room where I pointed out last time, and that did almost get the case dismissed. Mm. Um, and it, it didn't matter to them. They, You know, they had already had their minds made up. The prosecutor asked them, how many of you believe we need speed limits, and every hand goes up. Oh, geez. But they don't realize, you know, maybe we could have some kind of speed limits where – we're not actually putting guns in people's faces and threatening them with jail or violence or extortion when they when they go over that speed limit. Got it. So uh, they come back eventually with a guilty verdict, as I kind of expected. Yeah. The thirty-something juror that I liked stayed in the court. I talked to him for a little bit. Um, eventually, everybody leaves. The jurors leave. The prosecutor leaves. The judge is having me stay in there for the uh, order. And he's telling me, you know, you have 30 days to appeal. And I said, oh, judge, don't worry. I'm not planning to appeal this. I'm going to address this with criminal complaints against you. (laughs) And he froze for like five seconds. And I think he realized, oh, no, those uh, complaints that I didn't take in his office, now he's going to have standing to file against me. Yeah. Um, And then and I told him, in fact, I'm going to be looking through some of your records. I hope they're uh, in order. (laughs) <laughs> pretty soon. And uh, so I left and I went over to the other court where another case was going on. This guy. So had... wait, wait, hold on a second before you go on. What okay. was the uh, the punishment in this case? Like, was it a fine you had to pay within $400, a certain... $400. Yeah. $400 fine. So Do... you have the right to face your accuser. And if found guilty, you have to pay overtime for the officer, which is $100 for the hour and a half or so that he was there. Mm. Got it. So, so are you going to pay them? I uh, probably yeah. I mean, yeah. they've already got two hundred dollars from the right. bond. Wow. Um, I don't know. Probably. Well, I don't yeah. want to pay the overtime. I mean, if you if the guy's bringing a complaint against me, if it was Michael Jordan, would I have to pay his salary too? That's ridiculous. Mm, good point. Um. Anyway, so I go over to the court next door where they're having another trial. This guy had actually called the police uh, because he was in a fight with his girlfriend. He was ca- crossing the street, and the police arrest him at 12 o'clock at night. The prosecutor's up there presenting the case, saying how dangerous it is for someone to be in the street at 12 o'clock at night. (laughs) 
so on, and I'm sitting right in the front row next to the jurors, just shaking my head no as he's saying all this stuff. <laughs> and he looks at me and kind of threw him off, and then he didn't look at me again after that. And this judge in there is, one of, is the judge from the last trial. So I look right at him, and his eyes see mine, and he realizes who I am, and his face just turned white. Then I reached in my bag. I pulled out this sack of criminal complaints, flipped one over, turned it around so he could see what it was, and I held it up in front of my face like I was reading it. And I know he's thinking, oh, boy, this guy's about to come after me. <laughs> Hang on, Sam. We'll bring you back for more. 800-259-9231. Uh, Sam from the Obscure Truth Network just stirring it up down there in Texas as he prepares to make his move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. We'll come back with more Sam and your calls as well. 800-259-9231. Hey, podcast listeners. I've been working with a couple of advertisers who have concerns about the ages of our podcast listenership. Generally, the younger the person, the more likely they are to fill out a survey. We need to counteract this trend. Please, take a moment to go to survey.freetalklive.com and let us know your age and sex. That's survey.freetalklive.com, especially if you're over 25. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number for you to take control of the airwaves is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Live streams are included Broadband version, dial-up version, webcam, all totally free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. Are you looking to get involved with younger liberty, liberty lovers across the country? Then join Bureaucrash and help us, that's Bureaucrash, fight statism in all its forms at Bureaucrash.com. Also, be sure to check out our pro-freedom t-shirts and other swag at the Contraband Store so you can quite literally wear your beliefs on your sleeve. That's Bureaucrash.com. All right, we continue with Sam from the Obscure Truth Network, his website, ObscuredTruth.com. Great video content uh, where you can actually see Sam taking on the system all by his lonesome down there in Texas. And, of course, you are preparing for a move uh, to come up here to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. And I know a lot of people are uh, are pretty excited about that. Uh, but uh, was there more to your, your story from this morning? You were telling us about what happened this morning in court. You're, uh, you're going to be filing criminal charges against a judge and a prosecutor, and uh, you had gone in uh, for a speeding ticket situation. And Was there more to, the, to your story? Yeah, let me give you a couple quick things. Uh, when, we, when I was sitting in that other court, uh, the case was over, the jury goes out, and they did the all rise, and I'm still sitting there. The two <laughs> police officers in the front row, one of them turned, and when he saw me sitting, his eyes got real big, and he had his hands down by his waist, and he was motioning with his fingers like, stand up, stand up. <laughs> and I just looked up at him, I smiled, and I shook my head no. <laughs> and then he, he just was shocked by that, and he turned back to the front. On the way out, I walked by right behind him, and I said, not all of us are subjects. Oh. And left. <laughs> um, well, nice. anyway, so then I, uh, I had this request from the senior legal advisor to the Plano Police Department. And he wanted to know in my information request to the police department if I was actually asking for every record they keep uh, be available for inspection or just a description of all the records. Okay. And uh, I sent him a letter saying, look, uh, all I'm looking for is this guy's name, but the chief is covering for him, and so are all of his supervisors. If you give him up, I can reduce this request. But uh, then I gave him this paragraph that says, in response to your letter, I'm afraid I can't give you legal advice. 
take out the magic eight ball, the dartboard, a coin, or whatever your organization employs in lieu of the Texas Code of Criminal Procedure and take your best guess. If you don't think you did it right, if I don't think you did it right, um, the grand jury will decide if you worked a secret government document from an open records request. Hmm. Over the last year, people working within the city of Plano have intimidated, harassed, uh, threatened, detained, denied me and my rights, and laughed in my face on multiple occasions as they conducted themselves criminally while railroading me through the trial. Unfortunately, you poked the bear, and now playtime is over. This is about to get real serious real fast. I'm done playing games. I'll be presenting my criminal complaints to the grand jury. Have a great day. <laughs> so send him that letter, and we'll see how they respond. But I think they're, gonna, they're slowly coming around to the picture that now it's my turn to uh, come after them. Wow. Well, I hope that uh, I hope they don't try to figure out you know railroad you some more and and all that yeah thing. threatening or something criminal threatening I think they're charges. Pretty scared of me right now with the video. Every time they you know what people do when they're scared, me, right? What Mark? Well, you know what people do when they're scared, right? <laughs> well, I stopped on the way home from court and did a cop watch, and they didn't even approach me, didn't look at me. One guy waved a little bit, and that was it. <laughs> so uh, th- there is a new video on your website, obscuredtruth.com, where you actually encounter an, a cop um, within the last few days. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that while we've got you here? Sure. What uh, you did? I was just on the way running an errand, and I saw somebody getting pulled over, so I parked my car in the parking lot. I walked away from him, uh, went across the parking lot, and just started filming. And, uh, now, did you just happen to have your uh, camera on you? I mean, you, you carry around like an HD camera, so you're not leaving that in your car at all times, right? No, but I make a lot of trips carrying that bag in and out of the house. I see. So I do carry it with me almost all the time. Got it. And um, I'm filming him. He's done with the traffic stop, and instead of just leaving, it would have been a non-incident. He has to come over and show his authority. So he pulls the car up and points it at me. Mm-hmm. He gets out asking, you know, can I help you with something? Can I help you with something? And once he gets around the car, I start asking him, you know, what's your name? And I don't answer any of his questions. All I did was ask the questions that I wanted to know. Mm-hmm. And he quickly realized that he was not in control of the situation. This wasn't a comfortable place for him to be and that it would be best for him to just get out of there, and that's what he did pretty quickly in the video. Yeah, yeah, it's a very short video and very interesting how he completely, you know, he, he's poking around just to see what's going on, and then when he realizes he's up against some uh, some real opposition, somebody who's not going to just uh, bend over for him, he just immediately makes himself scarce. Yeah, I mean, they're used to people answering questions and not, not mm-hmm. challenging authority, and when he realizes I'm turning that around on him and I'm not about to answer any of his questions, he didn't know what to do. So people can go to obscuredtruth.com, see that, and it, that really backs up what a lot of people have been suggesting and I think is a good tactic when it comes to the police is to ask questions and not answer them because if you are in the position of asking questions you are in that sort of master role position which is where they are trained to be it's where uh, i mean they're used to asking all the questions in fact some of them might get upset that you even dare uh, to ask them questions Uh, but many of them don't know how to handle it they're they're not used to people asking questions of them and it's it's just it's one of the ways to turn the tables on them absolutely it takes them out of their comfort zone and uh puts them on the defensive. Now, Sam, we're going to have you back, actually, uh, apparently after the radio show is over tonight, and we're going to do a special podcast-only segment. It may go out probably on the stream as well, uh, so to those listening on the stream might be able to hear us record it live, but uh, but it's going to be included in the podcast, and we're going to be talking about something pretty exciting, right? 
Yeah, Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund that's really designed to uh, help grow some activism like this and in some other related areas to uh, really move the, uh, the liberty movement forward. Very cool. I'm looking forward to talking more about that. And, uh, of course, there's also the Cop Busters thing, which you briefly mentioned, uh, and you and Jason Osborne from SACL CAI and Barry Cooper from Never Get Busted. Of course, it is actually the entire operation is, is Barry's creation, as I understand it. Yes. Uh, Cop Busters gets K-O-P, copbusters.com is the website, and there's not really anything there at the moment, uh, but there is going to be something. And it's this brilliant reverse sting that you guys uh, came up with, apparently. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so the idea was to um, – there, there's a case down there in – this was in Odessa, Texas, where this girl had, had drugs planted on her by an informant. And mm. so what we did is kind of a reverse thing to show that the police department was corrupt and also at the same time use the media attention to draw attention to the Yolanda case and hopefully get her out of prison. Uh, there's a lot of evidence that shows the, the cops lied. They planted drugs uh, on her through this informant, and rather than facing up to their crimes, they chose to just go ahead and send her to prison for eight years. Mm, man, that's Awful. rough. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, she's a, she's a preacher. The, her hair's down to her back. The father had a drug test done came up perfectly clean, so she hadn't done drugs in the last at least two years. Wow. And this is somebody that's carrying around an ounce of uh, crystal meth or whatever it was. <laughs> Probably not. So, so so you set up this, uh, essentially this reverse sting. It was a house you guys rented, and you set up some uh, some high-intensity lights in there as though there was a marijuana grow operation going on. You vented uh, the uh, you vented the oxygen or whatever it was you vented, uh, CO2 or something like that. And you basically made it look like a marijuana grow op was happening there, hoping that they would pick it up on their infrared devices? Yeah, exactly. How did they and get the, on the trail? I mean, that's, how did you get them on the trail of even looking at this house? I don't, I don't know how Barry wants to cover okay. that or release that, so I better stay away from that. All right. Um, we had a number of options. One of them was to put, instead of a grow light, it was going to be a, a tanning bed, and we were going to have the lawyer in there in a Speedo and body armor <laughs> and a helmet jump out and, hi, guys, <laughs> to see what they say, but we didn't have time to pull that one together. Yeah. But uh, it, basically, you know, they fell right for it. The, the lawyer was in the house uh, when he left. Uh, they arrested him. They came back. They got inside the house. They went around and realized uh, there was nothing there and then saw the signs and uh, started panicking and called the U.S. Attorney General, apparently, and who knows who else. Now, they're trying, as I recall from the story, they're trying to figure out if there's something they can charge you guys with. So I would like to bring you back and continue this discussion here in moments. 800-259-9231. What are the guys over at Cop Busters up to? Uh, what's going on? We'll give you more info and take your calls as well about what you want. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those. And if you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, get your shopping done at amazon.freetalklive.com. There are over 41 categories in which to shop all kinds of great deals on brand new and even used items. If you're looking to buy something, Amazon probably sells it. And if you buy it at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, FreeTalkLive will get a percentage of your purchase. You've got holiday shopping to get done. Get it done. Get it delivered to your door before Christmas time hits. 
and get it to the people that uh, that are that are expecting gifts from you uh, because Amazon has got the uh, has got some great prices, free super saver shipping on a whole lot of their items, not all of them, but a whole lot of them. And uh, it's convenient. I mean, you get you get user reviews of virtually everything that they have there. It's one of the I I love Amazon, and so shopping through Amazon.freetalklive.com just makes it all that much better because the shopping experience is exactly the same as what you're used to if you've shopped at Amazon before. It's just that entering through that special portal will result in a percentage of your purchase instead of going into Amazon's coffers. It'll come into Free Talk Live's account. So uh, so we'll get a cut if you enter through Amazon.freetalklive.com. And I have to apologize. Uh, apparently, Sam was had not been made aware of uh, this. Uh, apparently, there's some sort of veil of secrecy that has been thrown over the Cop Busters situation. Uh, the, the people involved in Cop Busters, uh, it's <clears throat> Sam and Jason Osborne, are not allowed to discuss the issue at this point in time. I'm not sure what the reason for that is. Maybe a legal reason or some sort of publicity, uh, PR reasons. I'm not sure. They do sting operations. <laughs> right. Well, you're talking about Sam and, and Barry. And don't them? don't uh, police don't people that do sting operations need a certain level of secrecy. I I don't know what the reason is, Mark. I'm not going to speculate on that. All I uh, was told is that we could not continue interviewing Sam about the Cop Busters thing. So I apologize for not being able to do that. Sam from the Obscured Truth Network, ObscuredTruth.com. So what we do know about Cop Busters, I feel like we can talk about what we know about Cop Busters, and that is that they set up this reverse sting. The cops were busted, red-handed, on video, uh, caught essentially raiding a house that had no... Uh, marijuana growing operation. That's what they were. The cops were led to believe that there was one. Uh, they uh, illegally got a warrant and they illegally searched this home, which is what they typically do. And so, because Barry Cooper has experience at this, being a former law enforcement officer, being a former narcotics officer, he knows how corrupt the cops are. And he knew they were going to fall for this trap, and they did fall for it, and they got him on video. And it's been a huge uh, Google uh, Google search. Apparently, it was like number ten over the past few Can days. You imagine at some point on Google. That's uh, huge. News. It hit number one on Dig Dig dot com. Uh, so it's been blowing up all over the internet, and it's only just beginning. I mean, they're going to start this reality television show where essentially the cops get busted, being bad cops. Now, one of the things that they're doing is... That's the role of the media, people. That's what they're supposed to be doing. To keep uh, keep the government in a, people in check? In mean? a free republic, that is a, what the media is supposed to do. It's supposed to rein in the power of the government. Yeah. This is a, it's a brilliant concept, and I wish them uh, continued good luck with this. I understand that at the end of one of the news clips... The cops said they were diligently looking for something, something yeah. that they could charge these people with. Anything. These... Is, it's really funny. I mean, it's, they're saying, look, you stand against us, and we will try to bend the law and figure out any Absolutely. way we can come after you. Absolutely. It's They've been disgusting. caught with their pants down. They've been embarrassed, and they want to do whatever they can to distract from the issue. Well, the, the funny thing is the news didn't say anything about it. You know, the, the, the you know whatever news uh, organization reported on this said... Didn't say anything about what? Well, they didn't say anything about the cops essentially threatening these people. Look, that's what that is. Done, all they've done is shown uh, that the, the police lied uh, on a, their affidavit and did something illegal, and the cops now want to find them, uh, you know, find something that they've done illegal. The cops should be investigating themselves. Well, they're not going to do that, Mark. Uh, I think we know that, yeah. but the expectation is of the public that the police go and look for people that have done things illegal. Mm. And, Except for their own. 
except for their yeah. own. I mean, that, that's it, it's it's obvious and clear. Everyone seems to know it, but it's wrong. So when we get the when we get the chance, I want to have Barry on the show since he's the man who's in charge of the entire thing, uh, the Compuster uh, Composters organization, and we'll have him tell us the story. About he's a great what, interview. Anyway, what happened? Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll get Barry. I promise you, we'll get Barry on. Mark, can you work on that uh, for okay. me? Since you've kind of he's kind of like in touch with you for a sales thing. Anyway, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's go to your phone calls. Free Dog has been waiting patiently in Ohio. Free Dog, you're on Free Talk Live. Evening, gents. Hey there. What's on your mind? Oh, I'm going to exercise the privilege that you grant uh, your callers and change the subject. There you go. Do it. <laughs> uh, hey, I uh, was catching the Saturday uh, podcast, mm-hmm. and you guys were talking about suicide. Okay. Or more, more uh, specifically, freedom to commit suicide. Yes. And I just wanted to call in and kind of share my story, because I'm a twice-suicide survivor. You tried to kill, your, kill yourself your, um, yourself? Is that what you're saying? Well, sort of. Um, once, uh, it all started when my uh, three years younger brother, uh, he was 14, uh, he committed suicide in our family home. Oh, jeez. And I found him. Oh, wow. So, uh, and it was uh, pretty gruesome. He used a 45 caliber handgun. Mm. Mm. Um, so that uh, obviously set me off. Uh, I was probably suffering from some PTSD. I would say so. I was never diagnosed. Uh, led me to uh, try and escape through uh, drugs, which mm-hmm. is not a good idea. Uh, but uh, that led to a uh, an intentional overdose. Got it. Which I survived, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank goodness. It's good to be alive. <laughs> but uh, it hasn't changed my thoughts on suicide whatsoever, really. Uh my my uh my plans are at the end of my life when there is no hope that is how I'm going to go if you're Whether in some sort of uh, if you're in some sort of situation where you're in great pain presumably uh, I would assume that there would be some pain involved at that point mm-hmm. but yeah at the, at the point where you know I've got uh, less than a couple of days it's uh, time for me to go. I think I'm like just going to dope up. I'm going to I'm going to get really really high at that point. <laughs> no, that was exactly my plan. Uh, yeah. To be honest with you, I've I've got it all planned out. It's even uh, documented in uh, my last will <laughs> and testament. Awesome. What's it? What are you going to do to yourself? Well, uh, first I'm going to start out with a very very good cigar. All right. <laughs> because I love cigars. Cuban, you got to go Cuban. I mean, if you're going to be it's your, the end of your life, you got to go with the contraband. Oh, I'll go Cuban. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, then I've got a uh, bottle of wine that was vented in 1977, which is the year I was born. Oh, that's nice. And so that will be consumed at that mm-hmm. point. Uh, then I'm going to find the uh, most expensive marijuana I can and uh, be uh, nice nice and, uh, well, good and taken care of. Okay, I'll that's say. good. Uh, then we uh, come in with a uh, overdose of morphine and a lethal injection. Yeah, good times. That'll be it. All right, so you are saying that you support uh, people's right to kill themselves, even though you've had some uh, some close brushes with severe depression and uh, being in a, a real bad situation. You don't believe that Absolutely. the law would be able to help you or the state's uh, prohibitions against suicide would be in any way beneficial to you. The reality is, is they're not going to stop it, no matter how much they make it illegal. It's yeah. just words on paper, right? This is true. <laughs> So Mark, absolutely, uh, people have the right. They do own their own bodies. They have a right to do with it what they choose. I'm yeah. an anarchist and an atheist, and that's you know 
that's part and parcel of the whole freedom gig. I agree that uh, you know that, that at the end of your life you should be able to make those choices. However, lots of people don't get to make these choices, and uh, all your elaborate plans sound, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, like <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of like the uh, the old Jewish saying is if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Like, how <laughs> well, do you know true. you're going to make it to old age? How do you know at old age that oh. you're not going to have a big, uh, uh, massive heart attack and takes you right well, he out? He doesn't know that. But That's the way I want to go. Well, wait, he doesn't know that, but there's nothing wrong with having a plan in the event that he is able to make his own decisions at the end of his life. Nothing wrong That's with him. There's uh, nothing saying I won't step off the curb and get hit by a bus tomorrow. That much is true. Thanks, Free Dog, for the call tonight. Appreciate you sharing that with us. And thanks for your patience as we uh, talk to Sam there. 800-259-9231. Let's go to Stephen in Colorado. You are on Free Talk Live. Stephen. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. What's on your mind? Well, um, I had an interesting conversation. This has been a while back, uh, but I was thinking of it today, and I thought, boy, I better call the guys and tell them uh, about Hmm. this. Um, I was talking to a guy about the origins of state power, where the government gets its power, and in fact, specifically where the cops get their power. And um, one of the things I said was, well, you know, if everybody decided for one day or or today, let's say, to not pull over for the police, what could they do about it? Run you off the road. if, if, If every single car starting, let's say, tomorrow at 8 o'clock in the morning until 8 o'clock the following morning, decided we no car in the entire United States is going to pull over for the police. Someone's going to die by 9 o'clock. I mean, if that's what happened, yeah. somebody in the, one of those cars will die by 9 a.m. I mean, if they're not going to be pulling over for the cops. Yeah, that's, yeah, that is okay. the music, so we're going to bring you back in hour three. So hang on. More with Stephen in Colorado. We'll talk about the origins of state power. What would happen if all of a sudden everybody disobeyed those flashing blue lights? Yikes. It's kind of an interesting question, isn't it? You can uh, chime in here if you want. Hour three coming up. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching at hour three. You can bring up what you want if you dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Right back into your phone calls, we go to Stephen in Colorado. Stephen, you'd called toward the end of the last hour, and you were telling us about a discussion you were having with, I think it was a friend of yours, about the origins of state power, and right. I don't remember which one, which one of you came up with it, but it was a very silly scenario involving, well, what would happen if uh, every car tomorrow morning that would normally have been pulled over by the police, when the police turned on their flashers tomorrow morning, just decided, nah, that's all right, I've got somewhere to be, I'm not going to pull over for this cop. Uh, that was right, and, and, and we discussed uh, also, at first, uh, the guy said, well, you know, what if it was... Uh, you know, a bunch of high-speed chases. I said, no, no, no. What if it was not high-speed chases, just, you know, like the O.J. Simpson slow-speed Bronco chase, you know, just politely and calmly, you know, using your turn signals and stopping at stop signs and so forth, but just not pulling over. And we just wonder what all of the possible ramifications, and I thought maybe I'd toss that out there to you guys and see what you thought. I mean, it, 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 somebody would get hurt. I, I yeah. think that whoever... They're going to run you off the road. 
If you keep going, can you imagine the chatter on the police radios? This guy's not stopping. I got a guy not stopping. I got a guy not stopping over here either. What's going on? Very funny to think about. It's tantamount, uh, you know. It's it's tantamount to the idea of what if humans could fly tomorrow? Because you can you can make the choice that you may not want to stop for a police officer. However, the the likelihood that a bunch of people are going to make that choice, even if you put it on the internet and email a bunch of people saying tomorrow's not stop for the cop day, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, like there's. Just yeah, <laughs> most people are not going to disobey the police, so it's just not even I, something I, worth I, really talking about. But what was the point of the, the question? Well, it, I, I think that what it came down to, the, the whole point of it was that the origin of state power is us. I mean, is, doesn't that seem reasonable? I mean, the, no, the, well, the, it's both. I mean, the origin of state power is the people's willingness to comply with ludicrous demands. Well, and, 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 and they the would violence. have you. They would have you believe that state power came from the people, but it really doesn't. I mean, t- to some extent, well, you can now it, you can argue that the people can do something about it. That they can they can stand up for their rights or whatever, but state power came about from force, you know, strong men over weak men and, and that kind of thing, use, you know, exercising their power, and the the democratic process of electing our our strong man is, is probably, you know, certainly less brutal than, uh, you know, kings fighting over, uh, you know, using their serfs to, uh, and, and vassals to fight over chunks of land, but, you know, the state power really came from strong guys willing to use weapons to hurt right. people. But, but in this day and age, I remember back when I, I was liberal, I used to very, I used to say things like, well, we are the government. Mm-hmm. And I used to mean it in a nice way, but I think now I mean it in a not nice way. I think I mean it disparagingly state power comes from us. I, I'm not sure if I'm articulating this. No, quite, I definitely understand where correctly. you're coming from, and I agree with you. I can't say for sure which... Uh, which entity or which factor is more important in the situation that we have? Because if it weren't for their, the guns on their hips, if it wasn't for uh-huh. their willingness to use their uh, their violence and put people in jail cells, if it wasn't for their willingness to be violent towards others, then people wouldn't be as obedient as they are. So it's right. the violence is a factor, but also the obedience is a factor as well. So, I mean, if there was mass disobedience, no amount of violence would be able to change that on the state's part. So they have to have obedience in order for their violence to be effective. Otherwise, they're just going to be killing people left and right. And if you're killing the taxpayers, then that's not going to do much to uh, to uh, fill your budget up for the next year. So, so it's both. I think that the that are the factors: both obedience and violence. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, this discussion was more like the. Uh as they say, the philosophers and theologians used to discuss the uh, how many he- uh, angels could dance on the head of a pin. I think sure. that was kind of like how this was, but uh, but it was still kind of fun to talk about, and, and it did lead us to this discussion about the origin of state power. But you know, there was one thing I was gonna b- before the the break. I said, "Oh, I think I hear the music," and it reminded me one time uh, I was just listening. I have a bunch of I have all of the Harry Brown shows downloaded on my MP3 player. Harry Brown, the former Libertarian Party presidential candidate from 1996 and and 2000. Also, he had his own radio show. Radio show host. Yes, a very talented man. Yep, and and, uh, I was listening to it uh, the other day, and he he had been traveling and was using somebody else's studio. So their music beds was some rock and roll song. And as you probably (laughs) know, Harry Brown was a big classical music fan. That's funny. And so he... So the music faded, and he said, this is Harry Brown, despite that music that you just heard. (laughs) And he said, I believe that was the Tin Can Orchestra recorded (laughs) in somebody's closet. (laughs) 
It's very cute. <laughs> Harry will certainly be missed, and I thank you for the call tonight, Stephen. All right. We'll Thanks, see you all later. Yep, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. So I think obedience is probably the major factor. I would have to say that's the major factor in, this, in state power. I mean, yeah, they're willing to use violence, but as Sam points out uh, from the Obscure Truth Network in his most recent uh, the little two-minute film that he put out at ObscureTruth.com, as he points out, the ratio of people to to cops is like 600 to 1,200 to 1. Well, so clearly, if there was <laughs> enough disobedience, no amount of violence could solve their problem. All of us would agree that uh, an organization uh, or organizations, that, that people need violence to protect themselves from violence, and that's why the police are there. Originally, the idea was... Is Purportedly. That the, the idea was yeah. is that we'll have this organization, uh, you know, that will hunt down the bad guys, the murderers, the uh, arsonists and the rapists and uh, the, the robbers, and, and they'll put them behind bars. However, um, you know, even even before the police came about, uh, they were using uh, the, the the punishments and the uh, the um, you know trappings of of the organization the police now use, you know, jail cells and stocks and things like that to put people that they you know committed crime you know committed crimes against the state that have no victim. For instance, if you didn't, you know, sit up straight on Sunday, they'd put you in the stocks for a day or whatever. I mean, you know, you, you see old pictures of people in the stocks mm-hmm. and they're usually in there for some silly reason and it has nothing to do with uh, the violence. But Let's bring that back for government officials. The idea that you can, uh, if, for whatever reason, the idea that you're going to overthrow the state by, um, you know, not stopping for, poli- you know, state troopers, pointless. I don't think he was suggesting that. No, I think no, he was I'm, just, it was I'm not just saying a thought experiment. Yeah, it's, it's, he was just having fun with it, but you're like, <laughs> I understand that uh, you know a lot of people deal with the violence of the state face to face in the form of a police officer. However, uh, that's not the head of the snake. This is true. You've got to stick a uh, you know you got to stick a, a a knife through the head of the snake, not you know some tentacle. Of course, snakes don't have tentacles. And you don't mean actually really stick a knife through anybody's anything. Head. You no. don't mean anything it violent. Stop it. You mean stopping the politicians? Would you say that's the head of the yes. snake? Gotcha. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line to New Jersey. And Alex, you're on Free Talk Live on the Amp Line. Hey, guys. How's it going? What's on your mind? I was thinking, what if we use our hazard lights to indicate that we're members of the Free State Project as a a symbol? Uh, while we're driving. No, that, that? that doesn't work. Yeah. I don't think the your turn signals lights work are your then turn, either. Your turn signals are your hazard lights, so you won't be able to signal turns, meaning you'd be more dangerous on the road and you'd be pulled over instantly. If you want to signal that to someone, and I don't know why you would want to signal that, you know, I certainly don't want to signal that to anyone. Yeah, what's the point um, of that? You would uh, put a sticker on your car. Right, what would the point of that be, Alex? Why would you well, want to do that? More, I think it's more visible than a sticker. Uh, I think that... It's visible, it's but it's meaningless. By, when it's done by a larger group of people, for example, if you wanted to protest uh, the detention of uh, an activist in New Hampshire, you could get a bunch of people that are already in New Hampshire to use their hazard lights. And I think that um, it would it would but be no one more would understand than a bumper sticker. It's now, like wearing it's like wearing an armband. It's like, but it's like wearing an armband. If it's a yellow armband, what the hell does that mean? Unless you go up and ask somebody, you won't know what it means. So if somebody was to see you doing this, they would just think that you were having car trouble. <laughs> I mean, what is the point? I, I just think it's. I think that unless we had a free state project um, bumper stickers that lit up, then I'd be interested in that. 
Is there any way to... I don't see any point in getting a Free State Project bumper sticker when you're in the state of New Hampshire. Um, I mean, I, I'm not. I, I'm just saying, what, I, I don't see the point. If one is in New Hampshire, I'll take it out of the uh, second person and put it into... Oh, I can't remember what it's called when you... Uh, third person third or whatever. Person. Uh, when uh, it, I don't see why one would put a Free State Project bumper sticker on one's car in New Hampshire. Advertise that you're here to take over the government? Well, yeah, why? That, that'll, yeah. that'll endear you to a lot of people. Yeah, you'll find that that's not a relatively popular thing to do as far as incoming free staters. It's just wearing it on their sleeve is not something that most of them do. I'm not sure why you'd want to. If you want to explain it to us, hang on. 800-259-9231. You take control. Bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us, including the uh, bulletin board system with over 400,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about there. Head over to bbs.freetalklive.com. Get interactive for free. bbs.freetalklive.com. Dot com. Alex is on the line in New Jersey talking about flashing his hazard lights to advertise that he's a member of the Free State Project. It's just one, an idea. He's just one floating of the most it by. Confusing things. Yeah, really. but, but you're talking about mm. doing it in New Jersey, not in New Hampshire, or are no. you talking about in New Hampshire, not New Jersey? Anywhere. Well, even in New Jersey, it's even less effective because certainly nobody in New Jersey knows what the Free State Project is. Uh, in New Hampshire, it's not really that effective because not that many people really know what the Free State Project is. They might have heard of it, but then they would also have had to have heard of what the flashing lights mean. Most people are just going to think it's that your car is having trouble. But but I'd like to ask you why it is you – I mean, there are some Free Staters that take this tact, so it's not completely unheard of. But why it is that you would like to wear it on your sleeve once you get to New Hampshire that you are a Free State Project member? I think that there's a different sentiment between people who are Free State Project members and people who are not Free State Project members. Uh, certainly, many pe- uh, in New Hampshire, anyway, I think um, they they do enjoy liberty uh, equally. But I think that there's just a, a different vibe with people who are part of the Free State Project. I, I can't really explain it in words. Well, okay, wait a minute. Let me see if I can understand what you're saying here. Uh, Toby from Free Minds TV, our friend Toby, uh, who's going to be, by the way, sitting in on a couple of ep- upcoming episodes of Free Talk Live as you take a vacation soon, Mark. Uh, but Toby is a New Hampshire native who loves liberty, and he is not a Free State Project member, but he's more active, I would say, than the average Free State Project member as far as things that he's doing for liberty. So would you say there's a different vibe between Toby and the Free State Project members? I would say that um, I haven't talked to Toby ever, so I, I can't really say for well, sure. Well, well but, uh, here, Alex. But then, the, but then the question is, Mark, how come when you uh, are looking for advertisers on Free Talk Live, you request that they are part of the Free State Project? I don't request. I give them a discount if they are uh, Free State Project members. And the reason for that is is because uh, you, you, I can get more people to sign up that way. It brings up the conversation of the, the Free State. And, you know, obviously I only bring it up with uh, select people, mostly people that call in and want to do advertising and, you know, that kind of thing. It's, 
it's just an incentive for people to to sign up for the Free State Project. All I'm saying is that between but, but, free... but, um, uh, hold on, he's he's asking a question, and I want to um, go on with it. Now, I think that maybe Alex here, what you have is sort of a confusion on names. There's uh, you know an organization called the New Hampshire Underground, which is concerned with liberty. There's an organization called uh, the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, which is concerned with liberty and more of a political realm. The other is more of a civil disobedience realm. And these two organizations have bumper stickers, and uh, you can get involved with them. And I, I think that they're building a brand here within the state as organizations that are attempting to protect liberty and advance mm-hmm. liberty and that kind of thing. Whereas the Free State Project, if you talk to anybody in, in the upper echelons of the Free State Project, if, uh, as though they're authorities, um, they'll tell you it's just a bus. All it is is the intent is to move 20,000 people here. And just the simple fact that Ian and I talk about the Free State Project does not mean by any stretch of the imagination that many or most Free State Project members feel the same way about issues that we do. They absolutely don't. I'm on the boards right now of the uh, Republican Liberty Caucus New Hampshire site uh, talking with many Free State Project members about immigration and where, where they stand on it and things like that. And we debate the issues back and forth and... Have a grand old time if you like that kind of thing. So there's there's lots of Free State Project members that feel differently about different issues. It's just that they they believe one thing uh, that they want the government limited in, uh, to pr- simply protecting life, liberty, and the pursuit of property or property or something like that. And I wouldn't I wouldn't say yeah. that there's any difference in a vibe between a Free Stater and a New Hampshire Liberty lover. I mean, somebody that loves freedom is going to have a very similar vibe as a incoming Free Stater. So I don't know if I agree with that. Well, that's uh, the, at all. That, that's the reason that I'm suggesting that maybe has the term confused, and and notice how much softer it is than uh, ridiculing the poor kid for having the terms confused. (laughs) Anything else on your mind tonight, Alex? Uh, I just want to say thank you for reading Prasad's email. Uh, He goes to the same high school as I do, and I uh, turned him on to Free Talk Live, and uh, the fact that you read his email, he's now very happy, and now he might write in again, and he feels like he's being included. Oh, great. Well, we don't necessarily include all emails, so we might not include his next one. Calls are uh, the best way to get on, but we we try to get emails on. Uh, Certainly... We probably, you know, we we probably get uh, ten emails that people wish were read on the air for every one that we do, and we certainly, I, I don't know about you, Ian, but I probably get a hundred emails a day, maybe two. I personally would like to say that I like Dennis Goddard's suggestion as far as what to do as a Free State Project member. Of course, Free State Project, we've mentioned it a bunch, haven't really described it. It's a movement that is dedicated to getting as many liberty-loving activists to move to New Hampshire and get active here for freedom as as possible. So it's a brilliant movement. Mark and I are participants. We moved here a couple years ago. And so Dennis Goddard from the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, he's also a Free Stater. And what he suggests that you do is that you move to New Hampshire and you get plugged in and get a job and you start working or whatever and that you meet people and and plug into social networks and of course you can hang out with other free staters and and liberty activists in the state uh but but to to go around and and plaster yourself with t-shirts and bumper stickers uh, it it kind of it's i guess it's kind of an in-your-face approach and i don't think it's really necessary and i think dennis's approach says you know get plugged into the society here and get to know people and then eventually once they find out that you're a relatively sane young man uh then at some point they might learn through natural conversation that you are you know you moved here because of the free state project or you wanted to to advance liberty or whatever and then at that point they'll know you a little better and then they'll come to understand that well i might have heard something about free 
Free State Project members, but I'd never met one until now. I've met this guy, and he seems okay. Maybe they're not as crazy as those people on the radio station are trying to get me to think that they are. I mean, Mark, you had a, an issue with your next-door neighbor or whatever, the, the guy that lives yeah, nearby my you. next-door neighbor was talking about, and what about these free staters moving here and want everything for free? Now, clearly, this guy is uninformed if he thinks that we want everything for free. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, libertarianism and the liberty movement is really a, a, an organiz- you know, a, a movement about personal responsibility. And pr- people that believe in personal responsibility don't want anything for free. However, I don't want... To have to buy your school and your roads for you. I don't want you taking things from me at the threat of force. But he didn't know you were a free state. He didn't. And, uh, you know, obviously I didn't get kicked out of his house at that at that moment when I'm like, no, no, I'm a free state project member. We don't believe that. Believe me. And, and did that was, change his tune? And he was like, or? no, no, you're not a free state project. And I, oh, yeah, 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 I am. <laughs> Do you think that by putting all of our names into one database at the Free State Project servers, we might be able to be targeted by the government more? I just, uh, you know, the, the government's such an, uh, uh, an uh, such an incompetent organization. I simply do not care uh, what it is that uh, they might be doing with their time. I don't believe they have addresses for people that are here in New Hampshire anyway. I think that when you move to New Hampshire and you update your information with the Free State Project, I don't believe you have to tell them where you're moving. You could just say, I have moved, and be counted in that way. So the, I don't believe they have... Many people sign up under, you know, uh, they sign up under Chuck instead of Charles, and uh, come on, do you really think the government can figure that out? Yeah, that's it's pretty paranoid, not very likely, and I know, that you, I know that's not going to stop you from coming here, right? No. Thanks, Alex, for your call tonight. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. So wear Free Talk Live t-shirts or Bureaucrash t-shirts. That makes more sense. And uh, put a Free Talk Live bumper sticker on your car. That'll work, too. Yep. Uh, By the way, instructions on how you can get a free Free Talk Live bumper sticker are on our website at freetalklive.com. More coming up. This program is brought to you by freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. If you dial toll-free and take control of the airwaves, bring up what you want, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. And the features include the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Just head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what that's all about. That again, shrine.freetalklive.com. As we go to, uh, let's see, quickly here, actually, hmm. There's this new deal, new deal story. I suppose we should get to that. We've been we, working on that for a while. We promised yeah. it on Saturday night. Of course, your calls are primary if you make them. But the story is from Politico.com, where Barack Obama has added what they call sweep and meat to his economic agenda on Saturday, pledging the largest new, I love this term, investment in roads and bridges since Dwight D. Eisenhower built the interstate system in the late 1950s and tying his key initiatives Education, energy, health care, back to jobs in a package that has the makings of a smaller and modern version of FDR's New Deal, marriage of job creation with infrastructure upgrades. It's the new New Deal. You know, I, I've got good things and bad things to say about it. You do? Yes. What's good about it? It's better than welfare. 
but not much. Um, you know, when you uh, when you're allocating, when when the market is alloc- when when you're allocate when the government steps in and allocates money towards things the market wouldn't necessarily allocate, like tearing up old ro- um, new roads and putting mm-hmm. more new newer roads down, bridges that don't need to be repaired, things like that. Um, then what you have is a misallocation of funds and inefficiency, and you know, things that needed money aren't going to get it because well we're we're gonna we're giving jobs to people we got to have jobs okay well and and these jobs are going to be probably uh, artificially inflated have an artificially inflated uh, you know uh, a payroll kind of situation they're going to they're going to pay these bureaucrats too much to do the, what they're going to do they're yeah. um, you know there's going to be four guys standing around leaning on shovels while one guy digs a hole right. you're going to have all this stuff that goes into uh, government waste involved and in why this. is it better than welfare because they're working but if what they're doing is essentially digging a hole and filling it back up, then is it really that much better? It's better than welfare. I don't know if I agree with you. I mean, okay. uh, the, I mean, the welfare guys, the money goes into the pockets of the politically connected, right? I mean, you're talking about government contracts for building things like bridges. The politically connected construction companies are going to get those contracts. Mm-hmm. They're going to uh, pay their employees, and their employees are going to take that money, and they're going to pay rent or buy drugs or whatever the <laughs> hell it is that the you know, construction guys do love their, their alcohol and their marijuana. Uh, so they're going to take their paychecks, and they're going to buy what they buy with them. Mm-hmm. And similarly, a welfare recipient will take their welfare check and buy what they buy with it. I I guess you're saying that... Since something comes out of it, even though it wasn't needed by the marketplace, it's like a smidgen of an iota better? Is I that think, what you're saying? I, I, well, I'm essentially saying, at the very least, you should have a nice new road to drive on. <laughs> and the bridge, hopefully, will not fall, fall through. Fall down, yeah. Hopefully, well, they won't, won't replace an old standing bridge with a new uh, you know, crappy bridge that falls in and kills people. Before we get to the details... And if they on- do... No one will be punished. Before we get to the details on what they're promising here, I want to focus in on that one term, investment. And you'll hear this used, uh, government loves to use this term, and the media, of course, parrots it. An investment is not what government does. An investment is something that you you can do, or a businessman might do, where you take, usually it's money, you take money and you invest it in hopes of getting a return on your investment. That's the point of investing, right? You are taking some sort of a risk, usually, with your investment. Uh, There are some safer investments, like a bank account or something like that, where there's like a guaranteed return, where it's not really much of a risk, but still, that's considered investing. You're, You're actively taking your money and putting it into something that you are expecting to get some sort of value, uh, some sort of return out of that will be a high, of higher value than the amount of money that you put in. Am I accurate in de- defining investment that way? Um, I think that, yeah, what you expect to get uh, money out of, at the very least, or something that would grow. Hopefully. That's what you're hoping for. Not all investments grow. Sometimes you lose your investment, uh, as in the cases of many businesses that have failed and, and gone out of business. Those investors are S out of luck. Uh, so to say that their government is investing in roads and bridges is pretty absurd. Uh, we know that the government's not going to turn a profit on the roads and bridges unless, of course, they build tolls, in which case they probably won't turn a profit anyway because <laughs> most of the money will be wasted. Well, you have to, uh, pay, the, you have to pay the toll workers $80,000 a year, you know. Right, right. So I don't even know if bringing tolls into the picture would necessarily change that. 
But so for for the government, building a road or building a bridge is not an investment in any way because it's not creating a. There's no pot potential for a return on investment. All that's going to happen to that ro- road is it's going to get driven on. It's going to break up. It's going to get old. And it's going to have to be repaved at some so, at some point. So roads are really more of a liability than anything else. There's really no way that you can. Uh, at least in the government's hands, there's no way they can turn a road into a profit-generating entity. With a business investing in a road, then yeah, that could be that could be an investment because there's a, they're intending to make a profit down the line. If a business is creating a road and they're putting up billboards along the side of the road and they're doing things to to monetize that road, I could see that b- being considered an investment. But government is not intending to get a return, so therefore, how can that be even considered an investment? And it's certainly even if it was an investment. For for the government, it's certainly no investment for you and I. We're not going to benefit from the return on investment if there was one, right. and there's not. And it, well, but this this term investment has uh, often been uh, has has recently, relatively recently, been twisted. Um, people will often call things like a big screen TV an investment. No. And what they're saying is is that there's a return on their lifestyle. I'm uh, going to get enjoyment, return an enjoyment, or something a like psychic that. Psychic return or something. Uh, and and I think that I think that you. I think that in holding to the uh, the, the the proper uh, definition of investment, that uh, you're you're holding the line, as it were, for the language. However, it's important it's because be- it's become uh, for people sort of normal to say things. Well, like it's that. garbage, and uh, words are uh, words do mean things. And I understand that that the English language can change over time. I understand and I accept that. But this is a cover word, and with government, they have a lot of words that they use that don't really necessarily mean what we typically think it means. This is a cover word for spending. This is spending. It's government spending, not investing. So it sounds better when they say it's an investment because it sounds like, oh, yeah, they're investing in our future, and they're investing in our our, uh, roads, and that's good for society. Well, it's it's good for you if that's what you want. I Mm. mean, if if I want the government to pave the road out in front of my house, then it is an investment of sorts in the money that I have put in the government. However, the, the... you know the way the government wastes money the yeah. money that i have uh, put into the government has long been wasted and we have to go and extract even more money from people in order to uh, to pave that piece of ground right. out there in so front of my house so they're twisting the terminology that has yet be, has been twisted by you know sort of the uh, the marketing and sales apparatus <laughs> of the marketplace so this guy uh, Barack Obama says we will repair broken schools make them energy efficient and put new computers in our classrooms so they're going to uh, spend all kinds of money to make the schools energy efficient. I wonder what the uh, the balance is on that. How much oh. money are they going to put in to if making the schools right. energy efficient versus what they'll actually get out of that efficiency and cost savings? In cost savings, right. When they talk about energy efficiency, that's another code word for we're going to do whatever the greenie socialists believe is the right thing to do in this arena. Mm-hmm. We're going to go for this sustainability. I was at a, uh, you know, sustainability meeting here in uh, you know downtown not a meeting really of sort of a fair i was looking at a uh, solar panel that the guy had he said it uh, generated uh, a kilowatt a day or something like that okay. i um, one kilowatt hour here in new hampshire and i'm not sure that a kilowatt and a kilowatt hour are the same thing and i'm sure some listener will correct me i've always wondered about that but um a you know I, one kilowatt hour in new hampshire costs 15 cents so if this thing um generates 15 cents of savings a day and it costs eight thousand dollars you've got a long, long way to go to turn that baby into something efficient. Well, I think if it only generates a kilowatt per day, then that would only be 41 watts 
Oh, crap. I don't know. I think it would only be like 41 watts per hour. So 1,000 divided by 24 is 41. Now, I don't know. What, what is a kilowatt hour? <laughs> I bet Wikipedia knows. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever you want. We'll talk a little, uh, talk a little bit more about this new deal here in moments and take your calls. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Maybe enough time for your call at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. If you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, help us get on more radio stations across the country, around the world, bring new Internet listeners on board, and help introduce new people to the message of freedom and liberty, then you should become an amplifier. You can do the, uh, you can do so, actually, go by going to amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp. As in advertise, market, and promote amp.freetalklive.com. Getting signed up for as little as three bucks a month, we take that money and reinvest it into promoting the show. And you get perks, too, like access to the amp-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, more. All the details are there at amp.freetalklive.com. Just a few more thoughts on this new deal from Barack Obama. And this is the new deal as it's proposed at the moment. Remember... More can be added, right? This is just a proposal. So by the time it actually gets through Congress, you can expect it'll probably be much more all-encompassing than it currently is. Because right now they're talking about a few specific areas uh, that they're going to focus on, and that is uh, the infrastructure. So they're talking about spending all kinds of money to upgrade public buildings. They're going to redo roads and bridges, upgrading the schools. They talk a lot about making things more energy efficient. As though the federal government runs any schools. Do you know what I mean? Like, what's the federal government have to do with schools? And well, it now that you mention schools, now that you mention roads, um, now that you know this is now that he mentioned schools, and, and then we're talking about roads here. Are they talking about roads that aren't federal roads? Because I was under the impression that only the, the only roads the federal government um, controls are the interstate highways. Yes, they are going to give and maybe money. The U.S. you know, like U.S. forty one and um, those roads. The, but the are we feds, talking about uh, state roads and local roads? Yeah. Well, the feds are talking about. He says they're going to uh, be giving money to the the state governments, and they have a certain time window in which to use it. Mm. So, yes. Uh, and, of course, the feds, they don't run the schools, but they do control the schools, and they do control roadway situations uh, because the feds have the money that they hand to the states, and the states have to obey the federal rules about schools and about roads in order to get their hands on the money in the first place. So even though they don't operate them, they do still have dominion, if you will, uh, over them. So they're talking about spending all this money, and we, all, we already know that government cannot calculate things correctly, that government has no incentive to take market signals and calculate them to make correct decisions. So when it comes to the total bill here, Obama's talking about all the the money that government spends on paying energy bills. How much is it going to cost to do all these upgrades, and how much are they actually going to save on their energy bill, and how long right. will it take to recoup that? The government's not going to bother to calculate those things. It's just going to spend money on the upgrades and say, look, we care about energy. Right. We're going to spend all this money and all this time and all this stuff on this I, energy upgrades, and I is it even going to do anything? Absolutely true. And this is, uh, you know, this is the difference between real life and the, the imaginary world the government lives in. I bought a heater that's uh, one of these sustainable energy heaters, um, and by that I mean... You can cut down trees and uh, feed it. It's a it's an outdoor wood uh, boiler, and you know I I've got 11 acres. I'll grow more trees than I could ever burn in this thing in, in order to keep a house uh, going. And by sustainability, that's what I mean. Where so I made the decision to spend the thousands of dollars on this uh, this gizmo and how quickly it would pay itself off. 
very quickly is really the answer on this one because I don't have to pay these extraordinarily high heating bills. Um, you know, oil was up and now it's down and you never know where it's going to be. So, by the way, I made those decisions for myself and my family. The government, we can't make a decision that makes sense in that manner. Uh, by the way, we did look up kilowatt hour, and according to Wikipedia, if a heater is rated at a thousand watts, which would be a kilowatt, and that heater is running for one hour continuously, then one kilowatt hour has been used. Kilowatt hours, according to Wikipedia, are the product of power in kilowatts multiplied by the time in hours. It's not kilowatts per hour. So it's not kilowatts divided by hours, it's kilowatts times hours. So whatever the device is that uses, it's rated at 1,000 watts, that's rated on how many watts it pulls in an hour. That's my understanding from what I just read. Yeah, and uh, when I spoke to the gentleman at the, um, and I don't remember what it was, the green uh, fair or whatever mm-hmm. that they had here in town, um, his, his response to my saying that, well, let's see, at 15 cents, uh, a, let's see, 15 cents a day or whatever it was, a week or a month, I can't remember what the the amount that it could br- produce in what amount of time. The solar panel. The solar panel, that uh, it would take a long time to pay for, the, for this thing to pay for itself. He's like, oh, well, this is, you, you don't buy one of these things because it makes sense. You buy it because you believe. <laughs> Even solar power, yeah. you want sustainability. Right. So, you know, they're not they're yeah. not selling financial viability. <laughs> they're selling uh, the 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 good feeling you get by getting off the grid. And or it ain't going to catch on until it's viable. It's no, not absolutely, it's not. All right. So we uh, we, we uh, continue here briefly. Obama's other thing that he wants to do that's the most scary part. There's one other thing about how he wants to increase broadband. Eh, well, I'm not sure how government's going to do that. Uh, maybe they could get out, get the it hell out good, of though. the way as far as uh, licensing and that sort of thing. Well, uh, cable companies. Uh, every like cell that. phone tower from here on out that's licensed has to uh, carry broadband for, you know, whatever. This is the scary one. Electronic medical records. This is what he had to say. In, a, in addition to connecting our libraries and schools to the Internet, we must also ensure that our hospitals are connected to each other through the Internet. Because hospitals don't have internet accounts. Uh, that's why the economic recovery plan I'm proposing will help modernize our health care system. And that won't just save jobs. It'll save lives. We will make sure that every doctor's office and hospital in this country is using cutting-edge technology and electronic medical records so that we can cut red tape, prevent medical mistakes and help save billions of dollars each year. Right, because the government's so good at cutting red tape. Um, They're going to make sure that every doctor's office is connected to their electronic medical record system. Now, how do you think they're going to have those medical records for you? Maybe on a national ID card? Mm, it's very it's 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 interesting uh you know who who knows what they're going to do but this is just more proof of what Rush Limbaugh says when he says that the democrats care you know they 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 have this whole thing about caring mm-hmm. and it's absolutely true because this is that's exactly what this sounds like doesn't it sound like you care about sick people it sounds to me like he's going to be forcing doctors yeah. oh, to uh, jump on board it with whatever it sounds to the me like is. if you're a doctor and you want to provide uh, just doctoring services uh you know for cash to people that you're out of business that's that what it sounds what that like sounds to me. Like. And so we'll keep an eye on this. It doesn't sound it, like he cares to me. It sounds like to, uh, he's a big government socialist. Yep, as this continues like to, to develop, we'll let you know here, uh, but that's bad news. So, all right, we continue with your calls uh, where Officer Liberty's on the line in Minnesota. Hello, Officer Liberty. Hello. Hello, gentlemen. How are you doing? What's on your mind? I uh, just wanted to ask you guys quick. Um, I know this conversation could go all night, but uh, in 30 seconds or less, what would be uh, your alternative to the current c- criminal justice system? In your utopian society, what would you guys like to see? Well, our utopian societies are different, so I'll, uh, I'll let my uh, cohort go first. 
Uh, my alternative to the current criminal justice system would be a true free market in justice where uh, there are uh, basically competing entities instead of the government one-size-fits-all monopoly. Uh, there would be competing protection services, uh, insurance companies protecting people's assets and families, and uh, and also having prote- uh, also having competing arbitrators uh, competing for business, uh, competing jails as well. So uh, introducing the element of competition in the marketplace to a very important sector, and that is uh, justice. People just aren't getting it today through the government system. And while there are some tweaks that could be used to make the government system better, I, uh, you know, I don't believe in coercion, and I think that that's the only tool that government has. And so we need to find alternative ways to provide people with the justice they're seeking without actually doing injustice in the first place. That's my answer, Mark. Mine's uh, short. I'd uh, stop the drug drug war. I'd you know require police to have warrants and follow the Fourth Amendment, and I would also do away with the plea bargaining process. Your thoughts, okay. Officer Liberty? Uh, I would just uh, – one response to you, Ian. Um, would you agree or disagree that the biggest problem is the people who get involved in the criminal justice system as far as the employees? Would you say that's true? I'd say they are a big problem, uh, but because it's a monopoly system – it's going to be very difficult to eliminate that. I think Mark's suggestions would go a long way to, to helping solve those problems, but it will never completely eliminate them until we actually have com- competition in the realm of justice. Okay. I just wanted to get you guys' thoughts on that. I'd like to say the other problem beyond the corruption factor is the violence factor, and that is the sort of the... The paradox, if you will, the idea that government suggests that it exists to protect us, to keep our freedom safe and that sort of thing, to provide us with these protection services, and this is what government is for. So government is supposed to exist to keep us safe from being victimized. But in order to provide those services, which many people would rather not have them provide, but in order to provide those services, it has to force people to pay for them. So in order to supposedly protect people from being victimized, it actually victimizes every single person in society, uh, well, those who don't want to be, uh, those who don't want to be uh, forced to pay for these things. It's victimizing those people by forcing them to pay for these services that they may not necessarily want. And so it creates victims out of everybody when it's supposedly to, supposed to stop that from happening. So it causes the problems it intends to prevent. It's quite a paradox. Thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. I'd be interested in hearing what Officer Liberty had to say, any, uh, anything he could do. He can call back any suggest. old night. We, I know he's an amplifier. He's a supporter of the show, and I'm sure we'll hear from him again. More on the way tomorrow night. Join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Sam from the Obscure Truth Network again. What we're here to discuss tonight is something that I have mentioned a few times in the past on the show, and that is that there is a, there's a fund being set up that is, I guess, intended to help support on a financial basis those people who are engaging in certain types of activism, specifically non-cooperative civil disobedience activism. Is that correct, Sam? You're kind of involved in this. What's your role? What, how would you describe this? Uh, go ahead. Okay. Um, well, things are happening really fast, and uh, the liberty movement, I'm really seeing it grow. Um, it, and the thing that I've noticed more than anything is that it's really a collection of individuals who are all out there doing what they think is best to uh, restore freedom, increase people's personal liberties, and do things to reduce the size of government. Um, you know, not everyone is uh, involved in the same way. They're all off in different areas. 
And I see a lot of opportunities for activists to support one another. And I think there's a lot of people who would like to participate, but maybe for one reason or another they can't. Um, so that's where I think this fund really steps in. It's called the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund, or the cdevolution.org is the website that people can go and check out and read CD, a little more about it. cdevolution.org. Correct. That's the letter C, the letter D, evolution.org. Yes. Okay. So, you know, in looking at the problem, I saw, you know, not everyone is a Lauren Canario that can spend a month in jail or, uh, you know, take that kind of time off or financial hit or even have the mindset to go and do something like that. There's people who can't move. There's people who live outside the U.S. that want to support change because they know America is kind of the big kid on the block right now and, is affecting uh, policies around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is really a way for everyone to get involved in one way or another. So people who fall into one of those categories that don't know what to do, uh, but maybe they can support financially, will be able to contribute to this fund and directly support the activists or the, the type of activism that they want to see uh, going on out in in the world, not yeah. just in New Hampshire. I think it's high time that for this uh, this fund to come about, and uh, I think it's a great idea. And I know that you have, you didn't it, it wasn't entirely uh, your doing. Uh, we've uh, quite a few people have worked on it, including myself. And I think uh, thank you for uh, picking up the ball and really running with it, Sam. Thank you. Yeah, I see. Um, just from my experience in uh, listening to Free Talk Live and and learning about the Free State Project. Uh, I, I think the most effective thing that the FSP participants are doing is they're attacking the issue from really all sides. And so the, I, I thought about, you know, how, do, how would you support an organization that doesn't have any leaders, that has a bunch of individuals stepping up to uh, bring about the change that they want to see in the world? And I kind of talked to some folks, and it ended up uh, coming out into three main groups. You've got a lot of people who are involved in the political system. So I've divided off the fund to have a political area for people that want to, you know, run for offices and support candidates or do something along those lines. They can donate and their money will go towards political activism. And then there's also, I think, a, a sort of mixed activism. I'd probably fall into that category with some of the things that I do in court where I'm using the system, but in a, in a way to kind of turn it around so that it allows activists more freedom in, in some of the things that they're out doing. Uh, and then I think there's also pure out-of-the-system people like Lauren Canario, Russell Canning, who really find the state pretty abhorrent and want to uh, challenge it in more direct ways. Um, so those are kind of the three groups that I came up with to have these general buckets. But then on the other hand, there's also the opportunity for people to do a project sponsorship where they would say, this is the issue I want to tackle, or it, it would be valuable if somebody went out and did this specific thing. And then if you want to create a fund or create a um, project around that, the fund will kind of manage it, hmm. allow you a place to bring donations in. And at the same time, on the back end of the fund, what I want to do is start getting more and more volunteers together that will work with these activists who are going to go out and engage in civil disobedience to get them the educational tools that they need. Uh, you know, going through the court system, it's been a huge learning process for me. So having people that have, have done that, that have 
had that kind of experience would be really valuable to be able to sit down, talk to, you know, review materials, that sort of thing. So basically, with one of the things you were saying there, from what I understood, is that somebody who isn't willing to necessarily put their um, assets on the line or their family or their current situation, put that at risk, they could take some money and let's say they're really into marijuana reform. They could take some money and they could say, all right, well, I'm going to donate $1,000 and I only want it to be used for somebody who's going to do this particular kind of protest in the realm of marijuana reform and then basically set up kind of like a, a, a bounty or a, or a prize basically uh, for whichever activist uh, decides to go ahead and take that mantle? Yeah, well, in a way. I mean, I think we would be talking – if you wanted to do that, say Ian wanted to fund a thousand dollars to have somebody smoke uh, cannabis in front of the police station in downtown Keene, <laughs> say you wanted something like that to happen, you could do that. The fund would work with the activists to, you know, find out what they need, how we would support them, uh, and yeah, that's essentially what that money would go towards, towards bringing that about. And the fund is really there hopefully in more of an administrative function and, and more of a support role so that uh, it's not directing where things go. The, the, the donors are actually the ones saying, okay, this is where I want the fund to go off and support. And, and what the volunteers are doing in the background is really working directly with the activists to make sure they have everything they need and they know what they're getting into up front as best as possible. Well, I think I'd be careful that uh, the fund didn't get into the uh, accessory role um, in the, uh, the the government size. But um, you know, I, I'm I'm wondering. You've got uh, these buckets for political activism, mixed activism, uh, you know, civil disobedience type act- activism. Um, then a bucket buckets that people can create for this, you know, marijuana or taxes or you know whatever their issue is, uh, dri- drivers licenses or whatever sort of uh, you know government intrusion they want to back off a little bit. Um, uh, you know, and environmental policies. I, it, I'm concerned that you might have uh, too big, you know, too many buckets and not enough uh, water to fill them all. Mm. Is, uh, you know what I, you know what I mean? Yeah, certainly. So, the, what I've done is set up just kind of the the basic framework, and I'm going to just allow the fund to kind of grow into itself. So, if the political doesn't get used right off the, the bat, then it, it sits there and, and it's going to be focused in you know, the civil disobedience area or the mixed activism area, it's really up to people, uh, to the donors as to how they engage the fund and, and where people want this thing to go. Yeah, you know, when a baby is born, it could be an astronaut, it can be a rocket, you know, it can be a rocket scientist, it can be a ballerina, it can be a, a violin player, it can be a radio talk show host, it can do anything. So I guess that's, that's what we're looking at here is, uh, you know, it's a new horizon for this fund and, and to see where it goes. But I think that uh, I think that it, it, we definitely need something like this. I, I love the idea. I mean, some of the details are kind of interesting to talk about uh, and, and iron out here. And I'm just curious as to, you're talking about these general funds um, as an idea, let's talk about the civil disobedience because I think that's most exciting. I mean, there are already liberty uh, raise fundraising groups out there for uh, for campaigns. So let's focus on civil disobedience here for a moment. Let's say that people are just contributing to the general fund, Sam, and they're not specifically saying, well, I want this money to go to marijuana or I want this money to go to whatever. Uh, they're g- donating generally. 
who will make the decisions as to who it is that is qualified to receive those funds? I mean, we're talking about the general funds. So is there is it just you or is it like a board of people or how does that work when the money you you've got this money? How do you determine how to uh, to dole it out? Believe to, me, as soon as you get some money, people are going to be asking, "What the heck are you doing with all that money?" You know, I mean, that's that's going to be the first thing that happens. Uh, you can't get a hundred dollars in there before somebody's complaining that you're spending it wrong. Well, actually, we have $100, and we haven't gotten complaints so far, so okay, we well, be doing good. <laughs> it shouldn't be too long, now that it's been announced. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> that's certainly a valid concern. Eventually, I would like a board. I, I'm trying to stay away from making this thing too bureaucratic. I really want it yeah. to be market-driven and to let the people kind of decide where things go. If it does go into a general bucket, I see that really being used uh, for things that come up that are not really planned out in advance, um, different issues that are of interest where the fund can step in and really make a difference. That's where that money goes, and it's going to be up to, yeah, the, the board, which right now is it's more than just me, but it's it's not that large yet, and I don't want to name off the individual. Oh, sure. Well, okay, and here's another question. What about ge- uh, geographic uh, factors? Is this going to be New Hampshire only? It would seem that would make the most sense, but some people might not like that. How do you, what's, what's the uh, target there? It's certainly not limited to New Hampshire, but I see as certainly in the beginning uh, getting things started in New Hampshire and really having a strong focus there. But uh, the the founder of the fund really had a a vision to help let this support other uh, groups that are out there, you know, in Washington, D.C., around the the United States. to, to be able to use this fund and so engage it. So is this only to support, I see on the website here, cdevolution.org, that's cdevolution.org. I see it says restoring freedom, supporting liberty. So does that mean that this, uh, the, you know, these funds will be uh, going to organizations that don't wholly support liberty? Let's say Cindy Sheehan uh, decides to go and do some civil disobedience in Washington D.C. We know she's a basically a socialist, uh, but she's out there doing some civil disobedience. For instance, would she be able to get her hands on this money? Because I would prefer uh, to have this money going into the hands of more principled people. See there. You go. By the yeah. way, Sam, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> the board of trustees is already having its uh, being questioned by some guy who hasn't donated the fund. Tell you what, write a check for a hundred bucks, and then you can worry about where it goes. Uh, how about I find out what I'm going to be supporting before I send anybody any money, Mark? That seems prudent. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Um, it's reasonable if you're going to write a check. It's not reasonable if you're, um, you know, one of the, uh, the 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 ball callers on the internet. It seems that there are so many of mm-hmm. um, that that want to, you know, second guess how people do things. But Mark, I think there are a lot of people, uh, myself included, that are concerned that when I make a donation, I want it going to the right place. So probably in that case, what would happen is funds to Cindy Sheehan would go out of the uh, political bucket. And if we didn't have money there, then that's not something that we could support. Yeah, but she'd be doing civil disobedience. I mean, I mean, isn't it a liberty civil um, civil disobedience uh, fund? It or, is. Yeah. So oh, perhaps that's uh, in the mixed category then. Well, wouldn't the uh, wouldn't the board of trustees that you have in place be deciding where this money goes? Yes. Okay. And the board of trustees would give money to Cindy Sheehan. Yes. Wow. Okay. Hmm. What do you see as the problem with that, Mark? I, I you know, I, I, 
<laughs> Mostly, I don't I want d- to support socialists. I, I mean, you know, I, I think I guess I've supported Cindy Sheehan's uh, uh, activism in the past. I've I've seen some that I've supported, but at the same time, I've uh, you know I I look at her as a socialist, you know, and I, I, I I'm not that doesn't please me. Okay, well, and I guess I'm taking it more from the. Uh, general example of if we have this person that is involved in politics, not her specifically, how would the fund operate? Okay, so you're not the the, the name Cindy Sheehan isn't something you're taking into consideration when you're saying yes. Correct. Okay. Any other questions, Ian? Uh, okay, so we're we're saying here this is generally going to be focused on New Hampshire, specifically in the beginning. It could expand out from there. I mean, I as a contributor, I mean, while I like the idea of civil disobedience going on anywhere else, I also know that uh, my interest lies mostly in New Hampshire. Uh, so I'm more interested in supporting. I mean, perhaps that could be some other way the money is split up here. And I, and I, I also share Mark's concerns that the money is going to be split too many ways. Uh, but maybe people could donate to an outside New Hampshire fund versus an inside New Hampshire fund, uh, because I, I don't really want my money going out to uh, to Oregon or Texas or wherever it is the the other activism is happening. And and maybe I'm wrong for even saying that. I, I don't know. I just feel like all of the active. I want to focus as much effort. And activism and, and money all in the same place. I think that's one of the reasons I moved to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project was to concentrate activism and to you know to have my money going outside well, of New Hampshire. That's a bucket that uh, one of the buckets that Sam was talking about. If you wanted to create a bucket that said it was only inside only New for New Hampshire. Um, uh, Inside New Hampshire okay. activism, then that's um, you know a bucket, and that's where it'll come from. The board okay. of trustees will take that in consideration when they dole out the money. From what from what I've heard you say, Sam, is that correct? I, I think that's the perfect way to solve the problem. Yeah. Hey, and and to me, I, I happen to know some of the people that are on the board of trustees. I know that they are liberty people who are be con- going to be concerned about liberty stuff. I know that we're talking about Free State Project members here. I think that that's going to be the main focus for them, too. I don't think they want to preclude mm-hmm. anyone from anything, and they want to be flexible, but, you know... But that's at the, at the same time, this is where their interest lies. Here's a question. What about the legal factor here? Is this going to be some sort of uh, 501c3 federal regulated organization? Or are we talking about op- operating outside of whatever the federal boundaries uh, would be that they would set up for a charitable group? I had intended to run it without uh, begging permission from the government. Uh, now, to do the finances on the back-end side, we're still working out some of those issues. It's, it's tough, as you know, to accept online donations when uh, without giving somebody a Social Security number. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that's kind of in flux. It's, we're not quite sure how that's going to turn out yet. We're working out some of these issues as we go. And I think some of the points you guys bring up, um, we're not going to know the answer right out of the gate. We're going to have to kind of take it as these problems arise and, and figure out the best way to solve them. Well, I think forward. that, um, I, I, you know, understanding what some of your concerns would be, I, I think that probably the direction that you'll be taking it is you'll allow PayPal on the uh, Internet and I, um, you know, from people, and, and I don't think that they necessarily have to be, you know, people don't have to be completely anonymous in order to donate to this CD Evolution Fund. Some people will want to be, in which case you'll want to have a 
you know, an address that people can send money to, uh, you know, money, money orders and things like that. And, and then you take the money and you put it in the account and the board of trustees decides where it goes. It, it probably should be in full disclosure where all the money is gone and all that stuff, probably on right. the internet for people to look. You want to be careful that, uh, you don't get, uh, that, that, that the, the government can't come after the organization and the people in it as somehow being accessories and, uh, you know, promoting crimes, which is, you know, the I don't know. How can you be that careful with those things, Mark? I mean, the th- attempt to be. Okay. Because <laughs> if they want you, they're going to get you. I, I think it's going to be a combination of the same kind of things uh, we're doing for the other Free State Project participants when they run into trouble with the government, and that's uh, find a way to support them. And so hopefully people will support the fund as well. Do you feel like there might be some sort of extension of this or an, an alternate organization created to help the actual physical needs of the people that are involved in the disobedience. I know this idea had been uh, proffered before, and I think it's a good one. Uh, Having some sort of volunteer network created to, for instance, uh, I know one of the local activists here said that he might like to do some civil disobedience, but he lives by himself. He's got rent to pay. He's recently acquired a kitty cat that he that he takes care of. Uh, so you know, there are certain things that these activists might need to do in their normal life, but if they're in a jail cell, they won't be able to do. So to have uh, a volunteer network that is in a close vicinity to the the activist being able to activate and and take care of those mundane routine things that he would normally be doing himself or herself uh is there yeah. is there a possibility here for that that is exactly the uh intention of the fund is to really be the bridge between uh the people who want to support liberty that can do it financially and the people who want to engage in the civil disobedience or or bringing about the social change if there's a risk that, uh, yeah, they may spend time in jail, the the volunteer network can work on, you know, things like feeding the cat or, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll provide the resources that the, the activists need in order to engage in a, in a particular um, type of civil disobedience. So yep. that's really what the fund is designed to do. These things are important, especially if you're the cat. Definitely. I think this is really exciting. I think it's obviously it's in its initial stages, uh, and I think that this could become a huge factor in the upcoming uh, the the trials that we'll be facing here. I mean, not just in a government court, but I mean just people that the government's going to go after, and uh, the government's used to being able to extract uh, obedience from people, and uh, even uh, even in the realm of of non cooperation and and civil disobedience, there's only been so much that can be done. I think this fund could really help open some doors for some people that may really have the itch to want to do some civil disobedience or non-cooperation, but haven't really felt that it was really possible for them. So this may really help create some opportunities that heretofore have not existed. And I think it'll be really interesting to see right. where this fund is going to be in another five uh, five years from now. It, it, it really gives uh, it gives an opportunity to a lot of people because I think that the most people probably um, you know that are concerned about liberty and um, think that civil disobedience has some value value that their biggest concern is you know what's going to happen to me and my family in my absence yeah that would be my concern what's going to happen to me and my job what's going to happen to my family what's going to happen to my bills what's going to happen to the the chickens for god's sake um so i, I think that this it, it does open up a lot of doors I, I think it certainly will for a lot of people and that's the intention uh one of the other things we're doing is looking to partner with other organizations so jailedactivist.info, the, the Liberty Activism uh, repository. Mm-hmm. 
so that uh, some of these educational tools can be brought in and uh, some of the other evolving uh, ways to, I don't know, keep the government in check or keep these bureaucrats accountable as we engage in some of these actions, um, that will come into play as well, and it will make the uh, overall presence of the activists, I think, a lot stronger and the effect much more effective. Uh, so I'm looking here at the, the website, cdevolution.org, and I'm wondering, uh, Sam, is there a way at this point for people to – I see a donate button, uh, but I don't see any way for people to sign up for some sort of a, an email updates list. Does that exist yet, or is that something you could maybe throw up there uh, before we put this online in the, the podcast? I will work on that tonight and get that up. Because I want to have, I want to make sure that people have a way to get the the word directly from you when they need to know something or when something new is is being announced. So, you know, maybe okay. go to Google Groups or something like that. Open up a group and just slap a, a quick sign up box on the front page. All right, we'll do. Uh, Mark, any other questions for Sam from the Obscure Truth Network? Nope, I'm uh, just interested to see how this is you know going to go. I think a lot of it, uh, a lot of it's going to be feet on the ground, and uh, you know we're going to find out as we go how you know how this operates. Um, you know, and I, I hope the best. Great, Sam. Okay. Any other thoughts for us tonight? Uh, that's all. I really look forward. I think this is a great opportunity to uh, help sort of bring some of these things forward and, and really uh, start start changing people's minds and enlightening them to the ideas of freedom and liberty. I think so, and as long as it's open and accountable, I think you'll have no problem getting people contributing to this. So uh, I'm excited to be uh, a part of it and, and help promote it on Free Talk Live, of course. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll mention it quite a bit as it continues to grow, and uh, we'll check in with you from time to time to see what's happening and what you guys are doing, and uh, or you'll check in with us. And uh, this is, I think this is a brilliant idea, and uh, kudos to whoever the uh, anonymous guy is that originally created this idea. I guess I don't even know his name, but he's out there somewhere. And I, from what I, I do, but I'm not telling. From what I understand, he doesn't live in America, and he wanted to support uh, the activism here, and he can't move here, so this is what he came up with. And so it was a brilliant idea, and you stepped up, Sam, and there's a few other people that have stepped up to help out behind the scenes. And so congratulations, and thank you to all of you guys. I don't know if anybody's – this is one other question. Are you going to uh, collect a paycheck for administering this, or is this oh, all going to be voluntary? It's all voluntary right now. Okay. I don't know how long that will continue, obviously, as the fund gets larger. If it becomes uh, a full-time job to administer the fund, I would think that you would need a full-time employee to do that. But exactly. you know, while it should be a um, voluntary position, it should be. And I personally am going to keep an eye on this fund as best I can. And, and you know, as long as I feel like things are above board, you're going to have my support. And uh, you know, when you don't, I'm going to let people know. So that's how that goes. Okay. So, so, Sam, can people donate at this point? They can. It's on the uh, first page when you go to cdevolution.org. All right, I'll tell you what. I'm going to donate uh, 50 bucks to start as soon as you get the email or the, the Google group list up there. So I can All right, will do. All right. Motivation. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Good night. Sam from the Obscured Truth Network. Obscuredtruth.com is his website. We, of course, been talking for the last 20 minutes about the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund. That's what the CD stands for. So clearly there's a focus on the more civil uh, civil disobedient things. The, he did mention there is going to be a political uh, factor here, and I think that's fine. Uh, I think he wants great. to have a big tent yeah. early on, and I can appreciate where he's coming from on that. And I, uh, you know, I, I think that the value of the fund is probably going to be in civil disobedience. Right, which... because there's Liberty Pack and things 
things like that that are out there. For which campaigns. I'm, you know, I'm I'm not as big of a supporter of civil disobedience as you are, Ian. I, I but I, at the same time, I think there's value to it, and I think that this fund is probably going to find its legs in civil disobedience. People can go to cdevolution.org to learn more about this, and by the time you're listening to this interview, there should be a way for you to get on board with some sort of an email list there on the front page and uh, get signed up to keep up to date from the organization instead of relying on us on Free Talk Live. Though we are going to be following closely and talking a lot about this, I'll use every opportunity to promote this because I think they're going to be doing some good work. And cdevolution.org, again, is the website. And knowing the people that are involved in it, I, I know that they're going to uh, do their level best to uh, make it a, a good and, and moral thing. So cdevolution.org. All right, that's the extended edition of Free Talk Live for tonight. We'll be back, as usual, uh, on tomorrow's show as normal. So we'll talk to you then. Again, cdevolution.org. Good night. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.